0: Okay, how about now? Can you hear me now? Testing, testing.
1: Okay, hopefully you didn't just turn off the last link because I bat out for a second. That was me having disconnected an HDMI cable from my computer, not a Ah, connection issue.
0: Yeah, that was was me disconnecting it. (laughs) My bad.
1: I'm pretty sure if it still says recording on your end, that means there's nothing. <laughs> hmm.
0: So now we are just waiting okay. on Harold to show up.
1: Great. going to be all Constantine all the time or are we talking about something else too? Because I, I kind of only know about Constantine right now because my time has been completely used up by DC Animated Movies, the Infinity Saga movies, and uh, The Last of Us Part Two. Okay,
2: there we go. Speaking
1: of... Uh, the
2: freaking messenger chat didn't actually update. I didn't know you'd sent the link. I was like, "Man, wow. let's take it." Though. And then I, I go just on a whim. I'm like, "Huh?" And I, and I like scroll, and then all of a sudden, I see like three or four of them, and I'm like, "Okay, f- well, fuck, messenger, why did you update?" <laughs> like,
0: messenger, you have one.
1: Doesn't do me any good if I don't know it's there. <laughs> right. Hold on, hold on, hold on. David, is he sounding like Max, Hedr- Max Hedrum to you, too, or is it just me? I think that's just you. David? Can you hear me?
0: I think that's just you.
1: Okay, okay give me a moment. Yeah. I don't think he can hear you.
0: Can you hear me, Gerald?
1: Yeah, I
2: can hear you fine. I can hear Evan, too, but I think he can't hear us. That was the
0: problem. Well, he was... <clears throat> there was already one recording, but uh, I thought it was like him having connection issues, so I stopped it and started it up again. But uh, <clears throat> while we're waiting on him, good afternoon, everybody. Um, interestingly enough, Gerald, uh, Gerald the, uh, the like 10 second or 12 second uh, we're not recording an episode this week had four plays <laughs> so far.
2: <laughs> but, hey, uh, is that what everybody liked everybody liked here and we weren't doing an episode they're like get in on this
3: <laughs>
0: like wow wow people isn't that nice of you but uh yes so this is gaming sessions podcast i am of course david aka Vincent db82 uh, we have my friend down the street from
1: Hold on, because I'm still having activity issues. I'm gonna bow out for just a second and unplug and plug back oh, in my router mm-hmm. and see if uh, see if it'll make it easier for me to hear everybody because right now I'm getting like right. every yep. third word. do what you got to do man?
0: And that there was my friend down the street from the next ter- uh next town over Evan, and of course my co-host
2: yep gerald aka suki Node. Glad to have everybody back. Uh, Hope everybody's been doing well. Hope everybody's been keeping safe.
0: Mm. Speaking of, uh, has your state mandated uh, face masks yet?
2: Uh, Not yet, but more than likely, we're probably going to be doing a re-shutdown. We're most likely going to do a re-shutdown like uh, Texas. Um, Hmm. because we've been reopening up and more than likely our big cities like Fargo are probably going to get hit real hard. Um, mm. So, and it hasn't happened yet that I am aware of. I, I think cases have been increasing, but it hasn't been like in Texas and uh, Arizona. Um, mm. But okay. uh but if things keep going the way they are, we'll probably have an upsurge. Like we never had too many cases up here in North Dakota in the first place.
0: Um, yeah. Cause but, you have to like send a, send a crow out, you know, then the crow gets the pony express rider and all that good stuff just to be able to say hi to someone. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um, Things that happened this week, I'm going to go first because Christy went back to the hospital. She's back home now, though, so it was only a two-day stay. Um, Unfortunately, her uh, digestive tract is uh, not having any of her shit, literally.
2: Mm. Well, this was part of the uh, infection, right? Because that was part of what the problem was, is that there was something going on in her intestinal tract where she didn't have enough of the good enzymes, I think?
0: Oh, like, like literally, her intestines don't want any of her shit, but it's still staying there. Ah. Yeah. And, uh, my Xbox controller, the left shoulder button decided to crap out on me, but luckily it's one of those, uh, knockoff elite controllers so it's got two extra buttons on the bottom and i just Mm. reprogrammed the uh, right-handed button to be my shoulder button so that's uh, a crisis averted for now it's going to take getting used to not using my shoulder button which is uh i guess a first world problem frustrating
2: So how about you?
3: Um eh,
2: week was a week. Um, I'm looking to get back to work. So we'll see how that goes. Um, I think the last job offer I had to go to a new site was in was in Minneapolis. Literally <laughs> either a couple of days or the week before it exploded in the in into what it is now.
4: <laughs> um
2: <laughs> and when i got offered the job uh i just had a bad feeling i don't even know how to explain it but i was just le- like i was just apprehensive about it i was just apprehensive about the about the job like when you're going to a new job you're always like nervous uh, especially mm-hmm. if you're going to if you're not <clears> going going to be around people you already know um, especially right. in my line of work i'm working with new people almost all the time so going to a new site, there's always that bit of nervousness, especially with me uh, because I am uh, because I do have anxiety. And when I'm around new people, I'm reserved until I can kind of gauge the people around me and what's going on with them um, mm-hmm. and kind of get a good grasp of what kind of new people <clears throat> they are. So there's always a nervousness to it, at least for me, if not for anyone else. But I would think that would be anyone going to a new job around new people. Um, but I was just... You are
0: not incorrect.
2: Um, But I was just apprehensive about it the whole time. And I, I don't know. I was just like, this doesn't feel good. So I declined the job. And then... I don't know if it was three or four days later or the next week. I can't remember exactly, but that's when the protests started. In many, that's when the uh, George Floyd happened. The protests happened. All the craziness with the police escalating the violence. Then the riots started. So all of that literally happened just before I would have gone up there to work.
0: Hmm. <laughs> so... Uh-huh. If not for anything, intuition can sometimes be a lifesaver. Mm. At least, uh, at least. Also, you didn't get the money job wasn't good.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I was considering. I like part of the reason I also declined it because the money just wasn't there. Like I basically would have been working for free.
0: Mm. Yeah, can't be having so, that.
2: Yeah, unfortunately, can't be having that. <laughs> Unfortunately, that is just not a tenable thing to do. Um, But uh, so there was that. Um, Outside of that, I was just—I've just been kind of doing. Okay,
1: and I'm back. Ah, there's Evan. Can you hear us clearly now? Can you? I can hear you clearly, and everything's connecting faster. So I'm hoping. How someone in my neighborhood has figured out. Our router, even though like the password is like the serial number on the router itself, and that's why sometimes during times where I'm like sure everybody is at home, like say a weekend, that it's like everything internet wise seems to slow down and have connectivity issues. Whereas Mm -hmm. other times, every device in the household can have the internet going, and it'll be like there's only one. Those damn. I'm also. Full disclosure, since John Constantine is what I'm here to talk about, I've already started drinking a nice brown ale at 10.5 proof from a crowler. So mm. <laughs> <laughs> I have started. I, I don't know what my um, – I haven't eaten yet. I've had nothing but coffee and pretzels. So I'm not 100% sure what my sober state will be by the time this is over. <laughs> but well, I'm going to make the opinion I that you shouldn't to... be drinking on that being the only thing in your stomach. <laughs> it's okay i'm part irish and part german and part english all right (laughs) famous last words i don't want to put on airs (laughs) famous last words you have no idea what i've survived (laughs) neither do i because i don't remember it (laughs) all right so uh i take great pride in the fact that the uh the bartender who's costed me uh the full memory of several of my birthdays recently took a night away from him thanks to some Romulan ale I made. <clears throat> when an experienced drinker, and by experienced, I mean military service and bartender experienced drinker, <laughs> loses an entire house guest in his brain, I feel like I've accomplished something.
0: <laughs>
1: <clears throat> and that's why Romulan ale is illegal, folks.
0: Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. So, uh, continue with what you were saying. So, Evan, since you weren't here, um Gerald turned down a job a construction job because it was in Minneapolis.
1: Jeebus. Well, don't
2: blame you <laughs> well. but uh outside of that just been um, working on uh, been doing a uh, uh, editing been trying to keep up on writing uh, been consuming media reading um, I Wait, ended you're up... writing mm-hmm
1: David, why haven't you added him to our I group? Did. He has. He
0: just he just doesn't oh, okay. respond all the time because he's you know ah. doing other stuff.
2: Nah. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have the it, doing everything. All the personal projects that I'm trying to do, um, I don't have the time frame to be as frequent with uh, the the quick writes that you guys do, um, and it's <laughs> uncomfortable for me. I don't know how else to explain it. If, 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 like, if that's understandable, it's right. uncomfortable for me to it write like that you're way. It like
1: perfect for our writing <laughs> yeah. so That's the whole point. Well, <laughs> the pressure right. of a deadline. Well, I like- not, the, not a deadline. The idea is that you just write. You don't worry about the quality of what you're writing. You don't worry about whether or not you're going to put it to print or anything. It's just for one hour, it's to write. So it's basically like muscle memory. It's the same reason why you're repeating the same moves over and over and over again in combat training so that you're, so that you're physically just more attuned to it yeah and, and the psychological effect will just come afterwards mm, okay um but i'll 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 try
2: to get more in tune with that then but i i like to sit down and when i write just write until i'm done writing that's that's how i like you can do it.
1: that i they've already had several sprints where it's like an hour or so later even as i'm responding to things that david and like bobby and stuff are saying about their uh their turns i'm still like often like writing because i'm just like i'm not done with this thought this is getting on the page right now hmm. um, right.
0: oh fuck. fuck 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 i need to find
1: the. A- all right that's exactly the mindset of a writer right there <laughs> put well into words thank you david. Oh, okay, <laughs> <sighs> Me, for those who aren't writers if you ever want to know the psychology of a writer what david just did there honestly Go back to the first season of The Wire, where those two detectives are going over the crime scene, and all the dialogue is just variations on the way you can say the word fuck, and you pretty much get what the brain of a writer is like.
0: Hmm. Or one of my favorite (laughs) phrases is, uh, I'm going to bash my head against the computer and hope words come out.
1: Mm, Sounds like something Alan Moore says to himself every freaking day. (laughs) (laughs) Which his novel should be delivered in my mailbox any moment now. Mm. (laughs) He wrote one. And because he's Alan Moore, naturally, it got nothing but positive reviews. Mm. Also, it's very, very long, which is no surprise for anybody who knows what his art art directions are like in his scripts. He's famous for writing 150-page scripts for 22-page comic books. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Most of it art direction. Because you can't fit that much dialogue in a twenty-two page comic book. Mm, indeed.
0: So, are you're finished with your week then, Gerald?
1: Uh, sorry about that. I interrupted that. Oh no, you're you're fine.
2: Um, outside of that, uh, I uh I had come across a manga that I've been reading called Klepnir. and it's this weird kind of manga where the main premise is there is the the main protagonist is a high school guy who runs into a girl who starts transforming part of her bodies into more monstrous states and he himself transforms into what looks like a mascot character and Mm -hmm. he can and when he does this, he has a zipper on his back that can be opened up and a person can go inside of him, right? So the other main character is a girl whose sister killed their parents and then left And so she tracked him down because he was her sister's, like, childhood friend. And they end up tracking things back to an alien who has been giving people special powers um, in exchange for coins that they find. And these are, like, weird alien-looking coins, and apparently their ship crash-landed on earth and it scattered the coins all over the countryside of this near this one village and then and i gotten all the way as far through the manga as i could but there was you know until the end of what was currently made and then i was just waiting on the author and it seemed and it is actually a i liked it and there was always the question of what was kind of going on because the main hero doesn't have all of his memories and it seems his memories were taken from him for a reason. Uh, it... Oh, well, that's weird. You guys must've got cut no, off.
0: No, was it? I got the disconnection notice because you, okay. you cut off when you were talking about the ship and then you just went quiet. And I was like, Gerald, uh, it's a disconnection issue, isn't it? Yep, it is. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back. There's our first disconnection of the day. <laughs>
1: yeah. Hopefully that's Let's hope the we get last. Them all out of the way early.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. Um, but basically, I've been keeping up with the manga of Glettmere. Um, And there was always the big mystery of what is the main character's friends doing? Why does the main character not have all of his memories? What's really going on with the coins? Because it revolves around the main character's group of friends. Well, then they came out with an anime for it. They did an anime adaptation. I watched through the anime. And if the ending to the anime is the same ending to the, uh, the manga, it's dumb. Because it is based <laughs> off the fact that their entire group of friends are shitty people. So I'm going to spoil this. So for those of you who might be interested in Klepnir and don't want to be spoiled, now is your time to skip about two, three minutes ahead or just know that this is the spoiler portion. So, five, <laughs> four, three, two, one. So, this is basically what happens. One of their friends, and let's see if I, I wrote down every... Okay. So, it's a group of, like, six friends, right? And Shuichi is the main character. Elena is the second main character. Then there's Kaito, Kaito is a childhood uh, it, it was all a group of childhood friends, right? Kaito is the group is the is the friend that went either moved away or went to school in like the neighboring town, village, or city. Shuichi right. and Elena's sister were of course part of the group. Shuichi is the main character. Then there is Naoto, Kaito, Hanukkah, and Aiko. So the friends had all been separated for a little while. So this is what this story is pretty much based on, right? Aiko was being bullied, like really hard at school. And I don't know how Japanese social structure is. I know it's very rigid and can be very uh, restrictive, and they can be very much more interested in appearances than what's really going on. I mean, even Western culture is like that, but apparently it's even worse in Japanese culture.
1: Yes um, and no. It's um, they're very strict about the educational part itself, but people are people, especially when you're teenagers. So, right. Want a good idea of what it's like? I recommend, um, even though this is a lot of like satire in the true sense of the word, not the idea of a source of comedy like we think of it. Um, mm. The actual novel version, or even the comic book version of um, Battle Royale. Is really good
0: about
1: that <laughs> I watched the movie of that, yeah, but basically uh, I there could, no ver- there are three versions, none of them are bad, but the movie is hands down the weakest
2: that 's fine. The movie is just what I happened to be happened to be the thing that I saw offhandedly and was the easiest thing for me to consume quickly because at the time of finding the movie, I had no idea what uh, Battle
1: Royale was. that's cool Um, that's a lot of people's first experiences all i'm gonna say is 600 page book uh if you get the hardcover versions the manga is five volumes long and if you read manga you know how thick those hardcovers are yeah hour and a half long movie that's all i'm gonna say there
2: well movie adaptations are usually not a good representation of the actual literature
1: Um, Uh, It depends, but but in that case, it's just, um, sorry to interrupt again. It's just uh, what I'm saying is when you have something that's that long and a movie that's that short, it tells you something about the adaptation, in my opinion.
2: No, no, you're correct. Um, But (laughs) getting back to the subject, um, because I I, want to get through my my week and make this as quick as I can. But I thought I, I wanted to explain this. Because Aiko is getting bullied at school, like really hard. They're writing like "Go home, whore" on her notebooks, on her desks. They're throwing her shoes in the trash can, like. And she's like one of those girls that sticks up for people. So she's actually stopped other people from being bullied. So everyone started bullying her. Um, She was seen as like the goody two shoes. She's dating Naoto. and Hanukkah is her best friend. Well, they all get together again to, uh, as a reunion because they're all able to. And Kaito, I guess, is coming back to visit or something like that. So they all get back together and Aiko isn't around. Well, well no, sorry. Aiko is around, but Hanukkah disappears. And they go to Hanukkah's, like, uh, aunt and uncles because apparently her dad got arrested. And then she disappeared. And they, and apparently she was staying with her aunt and uncle for a while. Um, and they went to talk to her aunt and uncle, but she apparently had run away from there. So they no one could figure out where Hanukkah went. Hanukkah just disappeared. And Aiko was acting like she just didn't care. Come to find out, Aiko had killed herself because of the bullying. She had committed suicide. <laughs> Hanukkah ran into the alien with the coins, and what the alien does is like he says that he grants wishes, though most of the wishes have taken the form of people transforming into creatures, so weird uh, weird uh, adaptation of Wish, but she wishes to look like Aiko. So she basically takes Aiko's place. Kaito, Naoto, Shunichi and um, uh, no, Elena is the sister. Okay, sorry. Uh, and Elena yeah. all figure this out because they're like, Aiko is acting really weird. We can't find Hanukkah. What the hell's going on? They talk to the alien. He talks about how they can make wishes. And Kaito realizes that one of Aiko's current mannerisms is a mannerisms he's seen in Hanukkah. So he brings up the the uh, the hypothesis that Hanukkah took Aiko's place and murdered Aiko. So they all think that Hanukkah murdered Aiko because Hanukkah didn't really have the greatest life. So they think that she murdered Aiko and took her place because Hanukkah was also in love with Naoto, who is dating Aiko. So for them, all of those pieces fit in the place. Then we go to Naoto, her boyfriend, and he's thinking back to all of the uh, of her getting bullied as hard as she was. and he puts two and two together and realizes that she killed herself and Hanukkah just took her place. So he doesn't tell the group this. He just goes, "We should just leave it." And Kaito's like, "What? And he's like, "No, we should just leave it alone. She hasn't hurt anyone else, right? We should just leave it alone. And, and just continue like nothing has happened. And then Kaito is like, no, we can't let her get away with it. And Shinichi and Elena are like, well, we'll go to the police. And he's like, the police aren't going to believe us. And we can't tell them about the alien because the alien has already stated that if, you know, anybody were to try to hurt him, he'd have to defend himself. So, he, so Kaito is on the notion that they need to kill Hanukkah for her killing Aiko. Right, And then everyone, Shunichi and Alina just are going along with that. They're like, well, I guess you're right. Like they don't say that, but they don't they don't push against it. They just they're like they're just like, okay. And then Naoto just wants them to just forget about it and and not do anything. And then through a couple of flashbacks, you find out that Kaito had a thing for Hanukkah when they were younger. So he confronts I he confronts Hanukkah. Hanukkah comes clean about the fact that yes, yeah, she took Hane, she took Aiko's place. And there's a there's a moment in that when they're talking where Kaito asks her, Can't she just go back to being Hanukkah? And Hanukkah goes, That person doesn't exist anymore. And then <laughs> he kills her. <laughs> then we find out later. That they, find, they found a letter from Aiko explaining that she committed suicide because of all of the bullying and that she asked Hanukkah to take her place and not tell anybody. Hmm. So I was like, so now the big problem is Kaito, because of that, he goes to the spaceship gathers a hundred coins because if you gather a hundred of the coins the alien said that he would grant anyone wish you want so kaito is at the spaceship and he gathered the hundred coins and he brought hanukkah back from the dead but of course when you bring someone back from the dead that never goes well So now they're trying to kill Kaito and the thing that looks like Hanukkah that he wished into being that is literally a threat to the entire planet. And I'm like, wait a minute. You mean this entire situation was caused by a group of shitty people doing shitty things and now they have to fix their mess?
4: Hmm.
2: Well, fuck. That ruined that whole story for
1: me like mm. because I am not going to lie from my point of view everything that just got said for the last few minutes is like someone trying to explain like a decade's worth of um, a soap opera plots to <laughs> me with, with the character and going into specifics with each character's name and saying them by name so it seems like the kind of thing uh, very similar to like when we were talking about Lock and Key a while ago where if you're not watching it or reading it you're going to be lost <laughs>
2: Mm. but that is bait that's the story there's there's nothing else there's no- like literally as the the main character shunichi you start off with him he meets elena's sister she tells him how elena w- apparently went nuts and killed their parents burned down their house and left her alive and then disappeared and in their uh And she wants to stick with him because she thinks he's the best chance she has of finding her sister and finding out why her sister went all homicidal and shit. And as they're chasing her sister, that's when they run back into the rest of his friends. That's when they discover that Shunichi's missing memories. And then when he gets his memories back about everything that happened in the past that led up to the current situation, which is Kaito being like this superpowered being because he got 100 coins protecting a literal wished natural disaster that could wipe all life off of the face of the planet.
1: Sadly, I can relate to that because <laughs> by last time I played Mass Effect the Mass Effect trilogy, I literally sacrificed at least two different like um, species of sentient life because it meant I could keep going on with my girlfriend. So... <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, i wish i could say i wasn't that horrible person but i'm not 100 sure i wouldn't do that in real life if i'm that willing to do that in a virtual world i am that emotionally invested in uh otherwise i feel like i could sum up everything you said it, uh into a simple phrase of teenagers are the fucking worst and we know it's true because we've yeah. been teenagers before <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> teenagers are kind of the fucking worst back. I actually got to take that back. You think teenagers are the worst, but if we go into detail about John Constantine, like I'm planning to in this, we're going to find out there's something worse than teenagers. <laughs>
2: yeah, I got some stuff to say about Constantine. But but moving on, that happened. Constantine. Which... Oh, is it Constantine?
1: <laughs> it's actually pronounced Constantine? Oh, okay. Yes. yes, every movie and TV show has gotten the pronunciation wrong, and before anybody wants to jump in and be like, oh, you're one of those fans of something, Alan Moore, the guy who created the character, firmly established that is how you pronounce the name, plus almost every single writer who has handled at least the original Hellblazer comic that he was the main character of, also put it in writing in the comic itself. Hmm. And there are actually people who have that name similarly spelled that have it pronounced Constantine that are actually really happy about that cuz they keep getting annoyed at how people are mispronouncing their names just because of the spelling all because <laughs> there's one historical figure who's famously got the same spelling named Constantine so everyone just assumes that's how you pronounce pronounce it
0: and we're talking about the
1: emperor right yeah, yeah. i mean in their defense that that guy has done more for history Than like most of the actual historical figures we talk about. Like, if you don't consider him one of the most famous, he is definitely arguably the most influential in modern days, with only maybe a handful of people that we could argue are more influential as him, and even fewer that we can say are as influential.
0: Hmm. Hmm. So, I'm going to spoil it for Uh, Mm Daryl using using that that oft used um, soap opera plot twist. It was all a dream.
1: Mm. <laughs> wouldn't it be though um, there are stories where it's all a dream would be an improvement sadly those are never the stories that use it that get them right <laughs> <laughs> never the stories that get it Um.
2: let's see past that Um. I was watching the PC gamers uh, reveal and they revealed a bunch of new games. Uh, one that really caught my interest was Other Side, and it's a it's this tactical turn based uh, sort of RPG game um, developed by Lightbulb Crew. It seems very Sisters of Battle because it's like uh, you have you uh, control three uh, sisters, and they're called they're all called sisters. And the whole game has the aesthetic of being black on white. And the only color is red. So each sister has like a red Uh, scarf, and whenever you do damage, the blood is red. But everything else is black and white. It's very stark. You wanted to say something? I like
1: that because I really wish more people took the Sin City movie approach to black and white more often. Hmm. Yeah, Where you include colors where it's important. (laughs) <laughs> Where it'll pop for good for a good storytelling reason, like that yellow yeah. bastard,
0: hmm. that yellow bastard,
1: or how Alexis Bledel's character always stood out because she just because Alexis Bledel just naturally has like the bluest of blue eyes and they just <clears> couldn't <throat> bring themselves to diminish that color, <laughs> right? And she wound up being very plot important and easily forgettable if you didn't have that visual cue. So. Even, even Frank Miller himself went back and said, if I realized that just selectively using color could be that effective, I would have done it in the original comics.
3: <laughs>
1: nice. It is. It's a very good looking
2: game. I'm looking forward to it. Um, we need more black and
1: white sh- games, in my opinion.
2: Well, it's not just that. What struck me about it is that it uses a, is some of the wording that it does, like for after battles and stuff, because it'll like one of them is like this prison of mine. And then another one is germination. And then they showed the system behind how you use the sisters. And basically think of the sisters like uh, the easiest comparison I have is in the Matrix movies. Uh, Or in the Matrix series, there's that scene where they show all of the human babies being born in the fields where they're in their little, like, uh, bubble placentas, and they're being gathered and harvested by all the uh, robots. Just take out all the robots, and that's that's how the sisters are brought into being. And there's a mechanic where the only way to heal one of your sisters is to sacrifice another sister so it has this sort of invasion kind of atmosphere like the way that it uh the way that it it is makes me think of like the sisters are white blood cells and the monsters that they're killing are like invasive viruses and diseases or the sisters are the invasive virus or disease and the monsters are just the natural antibodies of whatever they're infecting, fighting back. So it's it's I don't know, that interest that, that really caught my interest. So I'm looking forward to this coming out and seeing how it's going to be. Um, right. But um, I also sat down and I've been uh playing Legends of Rune Terra because I haven't really heard anything bad about the game and I have to admit it's pretty good. Like everybody's been saying it's good, uh reviewers whose opinions I uh trust have been saying it's good, so I sat down, and started playing it. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. Um and if you play magic the gathering your knowledge from magic the gathering almost transfers right over to rune terra uh, its mechanics are different but they're similar enough that you can basically uh, take your knowledge from you know a magic the gathering like card game and apply it to rune terra so that also turned out really good but yeah so my week was
1: uh, my week was just busy <laughs> <laughs> So. I've I wish I could say that about my week, but real in reality, it's like how can I put this for a guy who has nothing to do? I've been busy is probably the best way I should do it. I can put it, mm. <laughs> which is um. Uh, let me ask real quick before I just jump in and start my week. Are you done with yours first? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I already interrupted you twice. I don't want to be rude a third time if I can help it. No, no, you're <laughs> fine. Go <Good. laughs> ahead. Yeah. Um, so in my case, like I, uh, I think I made it clear in the message board on Facebook. I have not been on the podcast for, I think about two or three weeks now that my main focus for the last week has basically been, if I can spare a moment, it goes to the last of us part two. And to be clear to everybody, the last of us is my all time favorite video game. Like, I fucking love that game, mainly because I'm very much a story guy about things in general. I've been obsessed with stories my entire life. And The Last of Us is hands down one of the greatest stories I've come across in any medium, period. And and I compare it to Watchmen in my mind because it's the kind of story that only works. It's not that you can't tell that story in another medium, but the story as it was conceived was made to be a video game. Like, it is not the same if you don't have a control in your hand where you're an active part of the narrative. And to give a bit of a spoiler to people who have not played a game that's been around for seven years and two consoles, <laughs> uh, for those who don't, to give you an idea of what I mean when I say that you need to be playing the game, uh, at the cla- uh, there's a part at the very end of the game where um, you have a character who's basically about to be killed via surgery, and no matter what you do, you're going to kill the surgeon but he has two nurses and what you don't realize unless you've done multiple playthroughs or looked it up online is those two surgeons, their deaths are optional. You don't have to kill them. And it's their way of making it. So this main character who, by the way, it's one of those emotionally complicated scenes where you have to really debate the morality of the character you've been playing for 14 hours. But if you kill those two nurses, that's all on you, because <laughs> the character because you don't need to kill them to finish the game. There are lots of characters in this game. If you play it right, you don't need to kill at all. Arguably, most maybe half of the half of like the NPCs and all that. But anyway, not the point. Uh, <laughs> basically this is a post-apocalypse it's a dark world and they make it very very clear it's a dark world and they can easily make you into a horrible dark person and it's one of the most emotionally drenching like stories in any medium you can come across and a big part of that is that as a player you're an active participant. That said I haven't even finished Last of Us Part 2 yet and it's the storytelling is dangerously close to blowing the first game out of the water so far hmm. <laughs> and and it's a much longer game because this is you know the newer generation. Like The Last of Us was literally one of the last games of the PS3 generation, because The Last of Us is a PlayStation exclusive, like most Naughty Dog games. And it was so late that they were already working on the remaster that was released, like I think, less than a year later for the PS4, <laughs> which is essentially the exact same game plus the DLC, but with more detail. Um, so and um, so this game, which they spent seven years working on. And it's very much like uh, Tanati Dog. This is Tanati Dog. What I would say, Toy Story is to um... Pixar. Yeah, that's their crown jewel. That's their baby. Like these other, ki- the- their other children, they may fuck with and make mistakes on, but they are not gonna fuck this one up. And huh. this is uh this has done a very good job of it. And they took some major risk. Uh, from what I heard, the ending is controversial. For those who have finished it but uh, and a lot of people are upset about something that happened. Like, basically, the inciting incident of the story in this game is something that upset a lot of people. I The only reason I'm shocked by it is because of the execution. Uh, let's just say I kind of figured... what was What is the inciting incident, in my mind, was going to be something that happened before the events of the game. <laughs> so, it happening does not surprise me or shock me, but how it happened, like... My roommate, who has uh, a peripheral connection to The Last of Us at best, because he's seen me play a few scenes of the first game, was really hardcore affected by it when he saw that scene. It's the only way I can think of to put it. Um, so aside from that, my main thing has just been, um, and I'm sure David, you're aware of this for the last two or three weeks. Now I've started a project uh, of live videos on Facebook is one of those little things I do to help people pass the time, mm-hmm. uh, where it's up to do usually twice a day when I have a day that I can do it, where I compare the DC interconnected animated movies to the MCU, more specifically, just the MCU movies that are necessary for the Infinity Saga, because when you look at about half of those MCU movies that have come out, are you can really—they're just world building. You—they are not necessary to the actual narrative of the Infinity Saga that uh, leads up to Endgame, to Avengers: uh, Infinity War and Endgame. So I've been doing like a back and forth between those two. So I've been putting myself in a position where I had to watch two movies a day, <laughs> and. Um, It's been an up and down rollercoaster for those DC movies because some of these are the ones I've been watching for the very first time. Uh, I'm usually about a movie or two ahead of what the videos I put out now. So I've already watched the next two movies I have to talk about. I'll probably... uh... Do a couple over the weekend to make up for lost time because there were three days I didn't do any videos because I was doing a favor for my GM, my job that I'm furloughed now, furloughed from right now, as well as having a day where I got a headache so bad it lasted a full 24 hours and it kept me more or less bedridden for the better part of a day. Mm. Um, yeah, but, um the next one's coming up is I need to watch Thor of the dark world again next. But the last one I watched was suicide squad Hell to pay. And it's quite possible that that's my favorite one so far, not because it's the best written or animated or anything like that, but um, it's one of the ones they did. That's rated R. And it becomes obvious why very quickly. Like, if you don't figure it out from its cold open, you definitely figure out in the opening credits where they're like, if we do Suicide Squad, we're going for full on 70s exploitation flick. (laughs) (laughs) And it is like, it is so much fun. It is probably worth getting like a DC Universe subscription for at least like the one week free thing or whatever just to watch this because they go hardcore. Like, the violence is gory violence, there is nudity. (laughs) and uh yes if you ever wanted to see the very obscure dc character of knockout naked you get to see that they don't linger on it much but there's very much a we're doing this because we can kind of aspect to her uh new team but also it's equal opportunity like there's in true 70s exploitation fashion part of the story takes them to a strip club but it's a male strip club And I like how Harley Quinn is a member of this version of the Suicide Squad, but she's, like, barely in it. Like, she's in it just mainly as this character is fun, not as we're trying to sell this character to you. Because I think it's safe to say that right now Harley Quinn has a bad habit of going to the forefront of anything they put her in these days. Very similar to Wolverine in the 90s, right?
2: Mm-hmm. She's becoming <laughs> the new popular.
1: You yeah, well, fortunately, yeah. Fortunately, in this case, they treat her as the crazy quirky member of the team that could be a liability that I think works best. And I like how this version of Harley Quinn they make very clear is horny as hell. <laughs> like uh um Killer Frost actually has to freeze her because she said this one kept frisking all the male strippers, and her mm-hmm. only defense was a psychotic girl has needs. <laughs> 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 And which, so, wait, and which all, movie is this? This is Suicide Squad Hell to Pay. There are two Suicide Squad animated movies. This is the one that is not a tie in to the Arkham games.
2: And okay. um, I will and uh, just up- quick interruption I will bring up the fact that this is a woman who has been in a years long relationship with no sexual confirmation. <laughs> so, yeah. If she's kind of just going, you know, nuts sexually, it makes
1: sense. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, sex with Harley Quinn's got to be so fucking violent. But just ask Poison <laughs> Ivy. Anyway, um, but like, but what also that male, what I love most about the male strip club scene is you can tell that they were like. Purposely trying to animate um, Channing Tatum strip scenes from Magic Mike.
2: <laughs> of course they were.
1: <laughs> they, this and the character that's doing the stripping, I can only describe as possibly one of my favorite Doctor Fates ever. <laughs> and in true '70s exploitation fashion, it's a crime movie with a very simple plot that is overcomplicated to fill the runtime. Uh, I'm not going to go into detail about how it's overcomplicated. I'm just going to say, and this is this is so wonderfully, beautifully stupid. The MacGuffin of the movie is everybody wants a get-out-of-hell-free card.
0: Hmm.
1: I, so does that mean Constantine, is just so, shows Constantine shows up? Nope, he's not in it at all, but it is literally what it's all That's about. Surprising. There's an actual get-out-of-hell-free card. How could you like, have Dr. a movie...
2: Like, how can you have a movie about a get-out-of-hell-free card and not have
1: Constantine in it? Easy. (laughs) (laughs) First of all, if there's a character in the entire DC universe that won't work for it, it's John Constantine. (laughs) And also, when you consider all the dangerous characters involved, yeah, he would not fuck with this. Um it, it's definitely the be- there's if you include animated stuff there's exactly 3 suicide squad movies and this is easily the best one <laughs> mm. like i think we can agree the live action one is just plain bad even if you enjoy it it's still a bad movie i oh, personally yeah. enjoy it but i know it's a bad movie
2: <laughs> yeah it's still a bad movie
1: <laughs> yeah and the mm. other animated one that's an arkham games tie-in is very disjointed. It has a it also is going for that seventies exploitation feel. But they I feel it was clearly a put this together as quick as you can, kind of script and movie, and it just to help sell the video game even more kind of a thing. Like one thing I figured out very quickly with these DC animated movies is that unlike the MCU films, they are not made for a general audience. They want you to be a fan. And they have a tendency to be very juvenile. And when I say juvenile I mean like our generation is juvenile. If you're growing up in the 90s where you're desperately watching random movies on HBO because you might see a titty because we did not have internet porn that uh, that you can easily get through like the every other generation afterwards of teenagers had kind of a thing. Yeah, it's very much that those porn
2: hotlines were. Re- that's when the porn hotlines were really big because they were I... <laughs>
0: Okay. Disconnection Mm. number two. Looks like it's going to be one of them podcasts. (laughs) So I believe Evan is using the facilities.
2: He is. Uh, At least last I heard from him, he was. Oh, what was I in the middle of saying? I forget now.
0: It was something about something. Yeah, it was something about something. Not sure why I'm doing Reckoning when I don't have any moats to wager. (laughs) Oh, that's right, because uh, I'm in a fire team with uh, Jared, Sasha, and Jack. And I guess I'm just going along and doing whatever the fuck they're doing.
4: Hey.
2: There are worse things. It's fine to just go along and do whatever and do what the fuck they're doing.
0: Oh, I forgot about those fucking snipers.
1: And now I'm back. And he's back. don't come around now i'm halfway into the first pint of beer and
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. so all right so before we got disconnected
1: yeah it's uh basically put suicide squad hell to pay as a high recommendation to me there's some uh i would say right now for me in terms of just sheer quality the big difference between the dc animated movies and the mcu movies is is that I don't think there are any bad MCU movies. They're just movies that are bad when you consider the company they're in. Like, Thor The Dark World is fine if it was just any, like, dumb, fun action flick with a lot of special effects. When well, you remember that it's in, that it's in company with things like all of the Avengers movies and Black Panther and the Captain America movies and all of that? I'm not surprised that's on the bottom of everybody's list. <laughs> Even though, in my mind, the weakest MCU movie is the first Thor movie, but that's all. Not the first Thor, actually. Uh, the Incredible Hulk with Edward Norton that I keep having to remind people is a part of it. <laughs> but- I really
2: like that one. That's the one yeah. I like the
1: most. Hey, I in my opinion, Hulk movie, if, that one I really well, that, in my opinion, if The Incredible Hulk is your weakest film, you're doing a damn fine job.
2: Yeah, because I thought the Ed Norton Incredible Hulk one was really good. And See, I liked the darker, grittier atmosphere the... that it had.
0: See, my problem... It was better than the Ang Lee oh, one, at definitely.
1: least. Uh, no, it's... it's <laughs> Like I said, every time I watch it, I enjoy it. There's never been a single MCU movie I haven't enjoyed. My problem with the Incredible Hulk movie is that it's them... kill. It's that It's an hour and a half of just them killing screen time so they can get to a 10-minute-long fight scene at the end. <laughs> <laughs> that that's that whole movie. It's like from a from a guy who loves story and character film and stuff like that. It it's I I it's just the weakest me out of all of them. And even then, if you pay attention. Things that happen in that movie come back in the MCU. Like they mention the events of that movie in the first Avengers film. They bring back Thunderbolt Ross in Civil War, uh, and he's the one who's telling the Avengers, "Hey, here's the Sokovia Accords and all that." So it's not like that stuff did. It's like a, just a random issue of a comic book, of a comic book in a, any ongoing series. To me, it's not that these things didn't happen. It's just that here's this other stuff you're going to remember more. Mm. If that makes sense. Mm. I kind of,
2: I like the Edward Norton Hulk movie, but I also feel about it kind of the same way I feel about the Batman v Superman movie. If it had just been one long fight scene, Mm. it would have been
1: amazing. I'm okay with that, honestly. I okay. feel like if you combine the Incredible Hulk with Ang Lee's Hulk, you actually do get the perfect Hulk movie. If you are a fan of the Hulk comics and you understand the importance between, like, it's when Hulk's at his best, it's a perfect mesh of all of his psychological issues with a fuck ton of action. Yeah, the and new I would uh, mark-
2: immortal Hulk, uh, the new immortal Hulk comics, and I don't know if oh, that's, that's what that you that comic
1: mean. is so good. So good, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: Good. good. And it's her last time. I ch- oh, sorry. Go ahead. Elements. Oh, no, I was just saying it is the perfect mix of those two elements you mentioned of all of his psychological hangups. And then just a butt ton of kick ass action.
1: Yeah. And on top of that, it's somebody surprisingly find a new way to handle the character like Al Ewing is to me one of the the secret weapons of comics. He's hands down one of the best writers out there. And in a perfect world, he'd be in everybody's top three Uh, for writers currently in comics, but for whatever reason, he doesn't get like Brian Michael Bendis levels of publicity, so he's just doesn't seem to be in a general list in the top three where he belongs.
2: Because he's probably not a part of the... He's probably not on the right side. He tells stories to tell, just from what I've seen of his work in Immortal Hulk, and Immortal Hulk is the only time I've actually seen his name. I don't remember seeing his name before, but just in his work of Immortal Hulk... This is a person who doesn't tell stories for any political reasons. This is a person who tells stories to tell a good story. And those are the writers that rarely get the clout that they should.
1: Oh, dude. Um, Yeah, you need to read Blue Marvel then. Hmm. That Blue Marvel is what if Superman was in the Marvel Universe and he was black.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I thought you were talking about Blue... Mar- I don't know why I keep... I don't know why my brain went Marvel Blue or tried to rearrange the name, but yeah,
1: Blue Marvel, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who is one, hands down, one of my favorite low-key new characters in the Marvel universe. He's just such a fascinating character. Yeah, and well, it's, also another that.
2: character who is more powerful than Carol Danvers.
1: Yeah, and... <laughs> actually, let me rephrase that. He's what if. Superman and Reed Richards were the same character and Black, and had been in like, that you're like, there's uh, but this Al Ewing is awesome, that's all I can say. His ultimate run, really... like really uh, Oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, finish your <laughs> thought. Yeah, I was just saying, like, to give you an idea of how awesome his Ultimates run is he, Galactus was on the team. Hmm. <laughs> 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 and he's an expert at just coming up with very cool, unique like, this doesn't break the rules, it just reinterprets the rules the way no one else does, kind of form of, like, storytelling, for lack of a better way to put it. Yeah. Uh, aside from that, for my week, um, I'm catching up on Doom Patrol. Uh, I found out Max Brooks has more books out, and since he wrote my all-time favorite novel, World War Z, an oral history of the zombie wars... Fuck the movie. Um, <laughs> I... I got several of those, and aside from that, very, very, like, a footnote in my life right now is I am enjoying... I keep going back to a meme I found because JK because Harry Potter fans have learned that J.K. Rowling is not as open-minded as they thought she was. And as a person of color who is a fan of H.P. Lovecraft, I really love the meme that came out uh, of like, oh, you're upset because it turns out the creator of Harry Potter is a bigot? I'm an H.P. Lovecraft fan. Learn to hate your authors. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is just a whole lot of Harry Potter people are learning the story is bigger than the creator of the story focus mm, on that mm. i mean after all alice in wonderland <laughs> was made by a guy who was like a, who thought that algebra was stupid and really wanted to bang an 11 year old uh, blonde girl so
4: <laughs> the more you hear about there your goes stars, your childhood the less you want.
1: <laughs> <laughs> mm. Uh, in his, and I use the term defense extremely loosely, that was actually considered okay at the time.
2: (laughs) Yeah, well, we went over the perspective of what's good and what's evil and how society, (laughs) the whole of society actually decides on that, so.
1: We are not gonna get
2: a better segue to John Constantine than that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Mm. Well, no, we'll we'll wait. Let's do our reviews, or we're not gonna, or we're not gonna be able to do our reviews.
1: So let's just get our reviews. I'm not done. finished yet, but uh, The Last of Us Part Two gets two thumbs up. In fact, they got a cat right next to me. I'm gonna put her thumbs up too for this. So that's four.
2: <laughs> I'll just have to go. I will have to go with. Uh, I will have to just uh, go with you on that because I. I've I, I had no interest in The Last of Us, so oh, like apo- zombie apocalypses <laughs> just don't interest me. They just don't.
1: It's not a zombie apocalypse. It it's seems, not like you're thinking, anyway.
2: It's well, it's not. It's not like 24 days later or World War Z. But basically, these are not
1: walking corpses. This is a fungal infection based off of a fungus that actually exists and works the way it does in the game. It Mm. just doesn't function on humans, at least not yet. But Mm. uh, much like how world war Z and all history of zombie Wars, the books. If you call it just a zombie fiction, you're doing a great disservice considering the amount of detail and research Max Brooks put into uh, the state of the world at the time and the politics and everything that was going on individually in each country so too are you diminishing The Last of Us if you think of it only as a zombie-like post-apocalypse. Because it's... Like, to give you an idea of what the game is actually about, in terms of, like, the enemies you face, there's only four different types of infected, but there's, like... At minimum, and I never looked at all of them to find out for sure, half dozen different types of actual human survivors you have to deal with throughout the game. Hmm. So really it's about dealing with the fact that in a post-apocalyptic world society means nothing. You will be a horrible person just for the sake of getting one more day out of it and you are, and it's because you are living in a world full of other horrible people who are being horrible for the same reason you are. Mm -hmm. And it's all about how it's not easy on any level. Like my recommendation personally if you want to see if I'm overselling it or not just watch a game just go to YouTube and watch a playthrough of it because the story is mm. so good that even that slight disconnect that, the, that you're not meant to have with this kind of storytelling because it is a video game
4: mm-hmm.
1: you're still going to see the po- you're still going to catch the power of it
2: We will see. It's not going to be at the top of my list, but I will take the recommendation. That's understandable.
1: <laughs> Let's be honest. We are spoiled for good content in today's day and age, so I'm not going to be upset if you're like, out of all the other things that interested me more, this is on the bottom of that list.
0: And on a side note, since uh, we, we uh, y'all you know, keep mentioning World War Z, you know who Max Brooks is, right?
1: Yeah, the son of Mel Brooks. Exactly. It's me, dude. You know I overanalyze and research everything.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so let's let's start with the most gruesome first.
1: That goes uh, to the last of us part two again, then.
0: Um, well The Mist.
1: Ah, I haven't watched it. <laughs>
0: yeah we're uh, we're reviewing that for our uh, live action show and then we're reviewing Parasite for our anime, which I had already started on Parasite a couple weeks ago and it's a very
1: interesting show. I know of it, but I never got around to watching it um, in terms of the mist. I think I watched the first couple of episodes and then uh, years ago when it first came out and immediately lost interest. And it's not because I am not a fan of the movie. I actually hate that movie. But I know I'm in the minority when I say that. But that ending to me is bad storytelling. And definitely bad um, bad character, for lack of a way to put it. The movie um, or the show? From my point of view. The movie. The movie. Well, I haven't gotten far enough in the show to say that. The movie, the, the show lost my interest very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. And uh, the reason I watched the show and it wasn't me going in thinking, I'm going to hate this too. Because to me, the movie was actually excellent until the end. And um, are we going to go into, is it okay if I go into spoilers about the ending to the movie? Because by now it's pretty well known. Oh, no, The, the movie I'm is like, old enough that if you haven't watched it, seen it, or heard about it, that's too bad, but go right ahead. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that everybody claims makes it genius and brilliant is what makes it shit, which is that the ending where they run out of gas in their car, uh, they uh, af- and they've already driven by the big Leviathan creature already, and then Thomas Jane's character basically kills everybody except himself because he basically runs out of bullets only to come out of the car, try to get one of the creatures to eat him, except the fog dissipates and the army comes by with the survivors, including the woman that the movie led you to believe was dead from the beginning with her kids, going by on the back of one of the trucks. The reason that bothers me is because every single moment, line, event, big and small in that movie before that says that those characters will not do that. And not in the (laughs) uh, grading and things, like basically put They left that grocery store that most of the movie takes place in knowing what they were getting into, knowing the full extent of what they were going to deal with, and if a little thing like running out of gas is all it takes to commit suicide, then that means they didn't have what it took to get out of that store. That means they were exactly the kind of people who were going to fall for Marcia Gay Harden's stupid religious cult bullshit. Not one of the people who actually escapes. And then even adds the fuck you of driving in front of the window of the grocery store to show everybody that they made it before going off into the wilderness. Those were survivalist and not the... I believe the Y2K thing is going to happen. I've stored up a whole bunch of like guns and canned survivalists that are failing miserably in this current situation. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like actual survivalists, the people who really do live off the land and even thrive in it, mm. mentally speaking, not in terms of practice, obviously, because one of them's a fucking comic book artist or something. Yeah. But.
0: <laughs> mm. So shall we take a break before we get into the mist?
2: Mm. Uh, we can, if you think if you think it would be a good idea to take a break here.
1: I don't think it's a bad yeah. idea, because I well, think God. all I'll have to say for the show itself is just snarky car ma- comments when I can bring it up, because like I said, I know the movie, I don't know the show. Yeah. Aside from trying to watch a couple mm. years ago and being so unimpressed, I stopped. I can understand that sentiment. And more than... and. One of the
2: reasons I wanted to try the show is because I seen the movie and I was like, How are they gonna turn this into a TV show? How? This actually is mm-hmm. the kind of book that is probably best in a film media, not a TV show. Oh, it
1: wasn't a book. I thought it was one I thought it, it was, was a, was short a story. oh,
2: was it a short story?
1: It was a short story or a novella. Yeah, yeah that's why it works so well as a movie. Okay. Then yeah. I was like And um For full context, the short story ends when they see the giant Leviathan walking by. And to be fair, because I don't feel like my opinion should be treated as gospel, uh, Stephen King actually prefers the ending to the movie than he does to the book. Or the story, I should say. Yeah. But
2: yeah, I, I was just interested in how they were going to do it. But yeah, let's go ahead and take a break. And then we'll come back and we'll talk about the mist. We'll get on the parasite and then we'll get into the meat and potatoes of Constantine. With
3: snarky comments mm-hmm. from oh, Evan and
2: Flashpoint. Because oh, we, we we're also going <laughs> to talk about Flashpoint. Uh, if Constantine <laughs> goes Santa on Barry. for long enough, we'll just say Flashpoint for another
1: uh, another cast. Bonuses are not the worst thing. Bonuses are not the worst thing. In fact, most of Flashpoint is the bonuses if you're talking about the comics. So.
0: <laughs> hmm. All right, so we will be right back after this. Everybody grab a drink.
1: After visit your local messages, uh, friendly...
0: Will it be right? Uh, visit your friend... <laughs>
1: yeah, you're already visit your
0: friendly local neighborhood <laughs> toilet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: In my defense, right. I do voices we'll re- over. He he does.
0: <laughs> we'll be right back. All right, there's one. There is indeed one. So I'm gonna have some uh, maybe snarky comments about this episode myself.
2: Uh, oh, why?
0: Well, let's just go ahead and start it. The episode begins with a dude waking up in the middle of the woods. He's wearing uh an army combat uniform, the new digital zip-up uh blouse camo uh, you know, camouflage.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: First thing that immediately came to my mind when I saw this dude, like you There's better a have
1: a profile. Yeah, up I'm up. here. I am on the uh, edge of tipsy going into drunk, and so I'm hoping to keep this feeling when we get to Constantine. Mm. <laughs>
2: keep it at tipsy. Keep it at tipsy. I, I, look, I need if you to don't understand, hear it if we're going to talk about this.
1: Look, <laughs> let's be honest. We all know Constantine is married to nicotine, but his mistress is alcohol. Hmm.
0: <laughs> Indeed. So... Like I was saying, the immediate first thought that came to my mind was this dude better have a shaving profile because he's got a beard and he's in uniform.
1: Which guy? Uh,
4: The The,
2: uh, uh, opening guy. Let me see if I can find his name. I wrote it
1: down. Um, In the show? Brian?
0: Yeah, Brian Hunt. Or at least that's what he, like he pulls out his wallet, finds his debit card It says Brian Hunt. There's a German shepherd sitting next to him whose name is Rufus.
1: <sighs> to be clear, because I came in a little bit late, this is a character in the show, right? Yes. yes. Uh, okay, so when the show th- opens up, I
2: mean. when the show opens up, we are introduced to a soldier who wakes up and there's a dog next to him. Um, and then we see the mist rolling in. So that's how the first episode actually starts.
1: Right. Yeah. So if I remember correctly, and keep in mind, a lot of my memories have been excised of this show. So I just remember it in generalities. What was bothering me was, um, and a lot of shows have this problem, especially in the first season, just the better writers deal with it better than others, is that they try to compensate for what I like to think of as the, um, and this is a big part of why, geek stuff in general has trouble going mainstream with very few exceptions hmm. that they overcompensate by overdoing it on the drama with characters.
0: Oh, there's a big, a big key point in this first episode. So much drama.
1: Yeah. But uh, like this, I just want to say it now, like the best geek shows I ever saw or come across like, Battlestar Galactica comes across first are the ones that don't go that route. Like they let the story create the drama instead of trying to put the drama in the story. Mm. Indeed. That is one of those moments of like creative wisdom. I can never create sober. What the hell?
0: Mm. (laughs) Indeed. So uh, he gets up, has the dog, you know, walking with him. And the dog runs off into the mist, and of course he this was my next line he ran into the mist, ran in all capitals, trying to find, <laughs> trying to find the dog yep we we hear the dog barking, then all of a sudden a yip of pain, and the dog' his body is hung from a tree branch, its head is on the ground, and there's viscera all over the place
2: and let me point out here. That this was done behind the soldier. Like, d- like, the dog was impaled on a tree branch. The soldier was facing the other direction and was only six, seven feet away from where the dog was impaled. Yet, he wasn't dead. So that already tells you how this is going to go. Hmm. (laughs) that already tells you a lot about this story consider if you know anything about the mist before going into the first episode
1: well um to actually really add on to that you kind of already lost me with that description because having watched the movie i know it's in the mist and what you just described is the kind of thing a serial killer does or a soldier in a war situation because that's psychological warfare Against the, your enemy. And that's what I thought or victim. And that's, yeah. yeah, and that's what I thought
2: too. I was like, wait, there are supposed to be dangerous super predators in the mist. Why the F would they cut the dog's head off and impale it on a tree branch? They would just eat it. And yeah. then he would get eaten. Because that's how that works. Like, what is hmm. this? Yeah, this? I was like, what is this
1: crap? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which already we have the first problem there. Now, clearly... From a creative standpoint, what they're trying to do is establish there's evil in the mist. I think if you're thinking in terms of good and evil, in regards to the story, and especially the creatures in the mist, you've already fucked up. Mm -hmm. Mm. Because in the animal kingdom, there is no good and evil. There is simply survival and sustenance. There's prey and predator, lunch, or the eater. (laughs) well no, think of it from the point of view of the prey too that it's all about evasion as well as making sure that the plants you need to survive are around as well assuming, and keep in mind I think prey and predator is an oversimplistic term because a lot of predators are just prey to another creature right
0: links in the food chain
1: yeah and um I think I'm correct me if I'm wrong here, but the basic concept of the mist is that another dimension has basically gained access to our dimension. And it's not necessarily that these creatures have been evolution, have been through evolution or nature or what you want to call it, whatever you want to call it, even like, I don't know, divine planning, whatever to hunt and kill and eat, devour humans. It's just they're taking advantage of the situation in a very basic, instinctive fashion.
0: It could be. I've... This is my first interaction with this Stephen King story.
1: I was gonna... Really? Yes.
0: Now, um, I think I've said it before. I've read the entire Dark Tower series. Good series. They fucked the movie up, of course.
1: Um... Well, when you're trying to take an eight book, if you're going to be technical series, and reduce it to a single hour and a half long movie, going back to that timestamp thing again. Hmm. Right.
0: <laughs> so,
1: Also, Akiva Goldsman just needs to stop doing any adaptations for Geek Stuff because he sucks at it. This man has openly admitted an interview he doesn't get Batman. Hmm. Which, for those who are wondering, why if that seems like a non sequitur, Akiva Goldsman wrote the script for the Dark Tower film.
0: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But anyways, so um, so we we get introduced to one of the main characters, a very attractive, brown haired, blue eyed, <laughs> freckle faced teacher, a sex ed teacher, female. Yes. Yeah. A sex ed teacher, I'm guessing, who's uh, being uh, suspended for, um, actually, when I wrote this out, I had to cross a bit out but and put in that, because uh, we find out later what the problem was, um, she had ruffled some uh, uptight mother's feathers, feathers yes, and uh, so she's been suspended from teaching. And then we meet the husband and the daughter.
1: Real quick, mm. um, can you be a little more specific on how the feathers got ruffled?
0: Well, the way, the way the principal was describing it was, you know, there's, we know you're teaching sex ed, but there are certain things the county does not want you teaching, which evidently was use of condoms and blowjobs.
1: Right. Turns out I have more than snarky comments to say, if you don't mind stepping in for just a moment. Sure. Yeah, and this is me speaking as a writer, and surprisingly, and I'm probably going to turn a couple of people off when I say this, because they're like to think, oh my fucking God, we're going to get political, but a person of color. Oh
0: my God, we're going to fucking get political.
1: Jesus. <laughs> yeah, because we didn't do – because last time I was doing this thing, we didn't do a whole episode about, like, the BLM movement, right? <laughs> mm. But um, the reason why both of those things come up is I'm seeing two very juvenile mistakes from the jump in um, this ep- – just based on what you just said right there. Uh, part for Once again, because I believe it's important to have context for objectivity – Every writer's room in a TV show usually has a sign or a plaque that says, cheap, fast, good, pick two. Hmm. So, in fairness, um, for those who think that's unfair or wrong or horrible, it's because in order for TV to work as it is in America, you're dealing with a very tight schedule. Super tight. And yeah, and the kind of budget we put into like, a two or three hour long movie like Avengers Endgame is what goes into a 13, well, actually, if we're going to be technical, eight to 22 episode hour long series here. So, a lot of technical detail, a lot of technical detail. Long story short, you don't have a lot of money, you don't have a lot of time. So, if you can somehow do all three, that's great. But practically speaking, even the best writers can really only do two at the best of times anyway. Mm. Cheap, fast, or good. So, exactly. (laughs) Pick two. If you want an example of a show that somehow pulled off all three on a regular basis, Star Trek Deep Space Nine is what I immediately go to. Mm. 25-ish episodes episodes a season, some of the best writing in TV history, I shit you not, and it's all because they had a showrunner who constantly told all of his writers when they came to him with a problem, make it a virtue. Hmm. One of the best pieces of monosyllabic advice for writing I've ever come across. Well, not technically monosyllabic, but that's semantics anyway. Hmm. And going back to this, what you just said, first one's a production issue, which is, or more specifically a casting issue. Let's pick someone that is agreed by the people in charge, not necessarily the general public, to be hot. Now, David, mm. I'm going to assume what I'm about to say is not um, insulting to you, but I see how a general audience can find it insulting. Mm-hmm. When I met you, I met the woman who is now your wife.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: She is not attractive by Hollywood or TV standards. She, Like you, she's considered a un. Not anymore. Awesome person, though. (laughs) Oh, uh, health issues? Oh, yeah. Last two years. Yeah, that's... Yeah. Like, she is basically what we have always been told by all of our entertainment we should not be attracted to. Is that a good way to put it, you think?
0: Yeah. In a manner, yeah. I can see that.
1: Yeah. And honestly, I'm not going to lie. In my own personal experience, I am very single. (laughs) And no, that is not an advertisement for myself. I'm just putting things into context. But my past experience has been with women of varying size, color, what have you. Like, to me, sex appeal is not just physical. Like, I have met women that look like goddamn supermodels that couldn't get it up for me if they tried their damnedest because they said something stupid or horrible and that killed it. Hmm. So automatically Mm -hmm. they're putting somebody forward that we have been for lack of a better term programmed our entire life to see as attractive conditioned if you will exactly thank you best way to put it yes on top of that so that we then are instantly related to them more uh based on um so that we don't think of it as just like we don't feel bad that we're only thinking about them physically they then give, in my opinion, what is just lip service to actual issues in the world so that we sympathize with them. Oh,
0: there's more of that coming on my uh, on my list of yeah. notes, because what I had originally put down when they, they kind of they leave it ambiguous as to what she was teaching as to why she was suspended. So, what I put down was.
2: No, they sex didn't she ed was teacher. To teach him sex aid.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, so, well, hold on. Let me stop you for just a moment, David. And I think whatever you're about to say next will actually help to add to this. This is where the I'm a person of color part comes in. Mm-hmm. Speaking as somebody who has seen lots of movies and TV shows that bring up racial issues, the problem is, like, from my point of view, We have too many green books and not enough Black Panthers. And what I mean when I say that is that they speak in very general, very wide range terms that say to – so that people can nod and be like, that is just wrong because we all know in the broadest sense that's wrong Mm. while ignoring the actual specific details that Mm. apply to real life. And this is a thing where the sex ed thing is kind of safe because Mm. and this may be somewhat presumptuous of me. I know there are people in the world who are going to disagree wholly with this, but personally, I think they're factually wrong. Most of us use condoms. Most of us have received and given, you know, have received and or given blowjobs. We consider this just a normal part of our sexual lives. As adults, we know this is not an issue. We know the younger people who are still new to the whole sex thing, it's just a regular practice for them. Of course we're going to talk about that's the controversial issue you shouldn't be discussing with kids, because on a subconscious level we know that there are a lot of people making a big stink about that kind of thing. That is really just a regular thing of most of our sex lives. So naturally we'll sympathize with her. Just in case her being incredibly hot, once again, by the condition standards, doesn't do it for us. (laughs) And to me, that's just, that's hack writing. That's fucking cheap.
0: Hmm.
1: Right. Dollar tree cheap.
0: (laughs) So, um, without without the context that was given later on in the episode... I went straight to thinking, oh, God, she's probably teaching them how there's 53 billion genders, and that offended somebody. No, she was... Yeah, it turned out to be blowjobs and condoms. Yeah, right.
2: she was just doing sex ed, and people and parents just get really squeamish about it. I mean, that's an actual thing that happened, where sex ed was trying to be introduced to school systems across America and parents were like well they're not supposed to know about that and it's like well right but they do know about it and we just want to make sure that they're educated about it so they can make good choices and be safe about it because regardless of whether you think they know about it or should know about it understand that they do know about it and they're gonna do it because they're just teenage hormones right now it's gonna happen so not talk to them about it and make sure they do it safely. My child would never do that. The fact that you can say that means it's exactly your (laughs) child that's doing it and it's your child influencing the other children to do it. Every parent who says, that could never be my child. It is absolutely your kid specifically and they're the ones encouraging everyone else to do it.
1: Right, and it's, which is why the best like movie or TV show about anything involving high school is Fast Times at Ridgemont High.
0: Hmm. <laughs> right. So we we later find out that it's because she was showing kids how to use condoms, and you know, I guess talking about blowjobs. And we
1: we see David real quick. Hmm. I just want to bring this up. This is actually. Um, Consider this a preview to a future thing. There actually is a John Constantine comic about how to properly use condoms. Hmm. Man, no surprise there. <laughs> it also includes death, and he's very embarrassed to have to pull out that banana. That's not a euphemism. It's a literal banana.
0: Because mm-hmm. <laughs> that's one of the ways that they will teach you how to you, know, you grab the tip of it and you roll it down the shaft. Getting all kinds of technical but, yeah, so well, if anyone knows how to
1: handle the tip of a shaft, it's um chronic smoker John Constantine <laughs>
2: yeah, I was reading up a little bit. He sorry, is bisexual,
1: isn't he? Yes, he is see this was he is bisexual with a proclivity towards women, but yes,
0: see, this was going to be my first question on the Constantine segment. I was going to ask you, is he gay, or is no, that just the but- c w pushing their brand of politics.
1: Nope. He oh. is firmly established uh, very early on to be bisexual. It's mm-hmm. just, in general, he has a preference for women, but he yeah. is definitely <clears throat> has sexual experiences with men, and that's actually a big, big part of the Brian Azarella run of Hellblazer. Mm. Gotcha. Okay. Yes. It's, it's, he basically uses that to take out his enemy in that run. Mm. Gotcha.
0: So yes, yeah, so later later on in the episode we find out it's this Karen ass looking fucking mom with her, you know, like helicoptering <laughs> over her kid.
2: Dude, they. <laughs> I, I'm sorry to they interrupt, but there's so much to talk. There, there honestly is a lot to harp on when it comes to this episode. But they, he is not wrong. They got the plainest, this looking. My soul is dried up in okay. shrivel because I got pregnant while I was in middle school.
1: Woman, they could find looks wise. Yeah, she's- uh, <laughs> David, I don't blame you if you edit this out, but I'm starting to realize I will be sober uh, if I stick to just this one crowler. I have another in the fridge. Not as high proof. I will be sober by the time we talk about John Constantine. I thankfully I have more alcohol. I might have to make a cocktail or two for something stronger. Mm. Um, <laughs> but I'm the more this goes on, the more I'm happy. I have nothing but time today because, <laughs> 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 like, we haven't even started talking about John tide. I'm just literally listening to your um, third party account of this show, and already I got a like three. I feel like I have three hours stuff to say, and it sounds like you've only said two scenes yeah we have actually <laughs> <About right. laughs> maybe two so, or three, two or three <laughs> yeah, I think you just mentioned the scene with the soldier and the dog, which we already pointed out I think exceptionally well, the right the storytelling and writing flaws in that scene, and we're not even done with scene two, where she's where like the teacher is being put on hold for. Saying basic sex shit basically, like 10 years from now, this won't even be an issue. We'll have to explain to future generations why this was controversial while we were alive during it at the time. Right. It's arguably not even controversial now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like,
1: (laughs) this is stupid, and you're
2: stupid for making the argument.
1: But but yeah yeah I'm gonna have to re I think I'm gonna have to reclaim my drunk because I'm already sobering up later today. <laughs>
0: mm. Well, um, I'm I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to cliff notes this because I've got a page and a half of notes about this episode. Then I've got almost four pages of notes for the Constantine movie, which is what I we had decided I would talk about.
1: So okay. yeah. Oh yeah. So
2: well, yeah. Let's go ahead and get through this. Fair
1: warning to everybody: unless your name is Alan Moore, chances are you don't know more about John Constantine than I do. So there's gonna be rants and a lot of some explanation of some seriously esoteric shit.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I've been looking stuff up, and even I only have a cursory knowledge because I haven't actually read through the comics. So like, I watched Sounds the like TV you more show. Than the
1: makers of the movie did.
2: Yeah, like I watched the TV show, I've watched the movie, I've gone through uh, his backstory and all the DC wiki fandom databases and stuff like that, so i read up on all of that, uh, but I haven't actually read
1: all of the comics. So,
3: right.
1: so not to get ahead, but based on what you would know, how do you feel about the movies and TV shows so far? Uh,
2: they obviously don't go over everything. They rearrange a lot of stuff, and in Every iteration, Constantine is still a habitual fuck-up? Jeez. Like, I, he's supposed to be an anti-hero, and I get that. But he really, really Well, no, no, does... no. We don't
1: want to go too deep into it. I'm yeah. just saying, what is your, just like, what's your baseline? Three. We'll go into more detail about a lot of shit later, but I just want to know... How do you feel as somebody who knows as little as you do about John Constantine, about the TV show and the movie right now? Because that actually will help me later. Uh, The movie should have been better.
2: There are good parts (laughs) in it. The TV show should have also have been better. There are some good parts, but the TV show struck me as just a poor man's supernatural.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That's really and what I it have, is. You have no idea how surprised and excited I'm to hear you say that, because as somebody who actually knows a fuck ton about John Constantine, he is my all-time favorite comic book character, and comic books are my all-time favorite medium for storytelling, going back to the whole obsessive storytelling my entire life. Mm. You actually, without the extremes I think I'm going to go into, perfectly reflected my opinion on both of those things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you were to like simplify it down to like a simple, to, like to the briefest of phrases, you literally brought it down. Like, I think I'm going to ruin any bad, po- any negative points I have about this by going way into detail about them. But it's just, I'm genuinely surprised and excited that you said that.
4: Hmm. I and
1: mean, yeah. you've kind of confirmed my desire to be as objective as possible with my biases and prejudices being aware of what they are going in.
4: Hmm. Yeah. Indeed.
0: Yeah, so.
1: it was. Oh, but continue, <laughs> David, and we'll get back to this. Yeah, we will. <laughs> we will
0: get back to that.
1: And uh... um, if you don't mind a minor request, because I'm, this just makes me more anxious to get to it. Is there a way you can do just an overview of the season in general instead of going episode by episode?
0: Well,
1: we're, well it's too we're late still... now. But we'll <laughs> let David pitch. finish his thoughts. Um, and then he has we'll, a page uh, and a half words of th- um. Once again, and I know I'm just making things take longer by saying this, but I just want to point out to viewers who aren't aware, if you have a page and a half of thoughts and we haven't gotten to anything positive by this point on a single episode of a show, that's not a good sign. It's not. It really isn't. It's not.
2: <laughs> um, I honestly basically chose I, – I basically chose it because – I wanted to see the train wreck. I was like, I can't see how this could be good as a as a TV show, but let's see them
1: try.
0: Well, uh, um, you know, in all honesty, we we did go. Through then, in the, that regard, we did go through the entire. In that
1: regard, I'm going to make an af- an active effort to be much quieter and not jump in as much. Uh, hopefully, you guys forgive me for I did jump in because it was just. Me as a person, and keep in mind, I'm not going to... Well, technically, I guess I am a professional writer because I actually did get shit published before. Mm. But I am very, very like professional with lowercase p is the best way to put it. Mm. I never actually got paid for anything. But let's just say as somebody who studied a story his entire life and is actively working hard to create some of his own and using this uh, period to try to encourage themselves more, um, I'm saying when I did jump in it was not me as a viewer or an audience saying that it's me because I am convinced the best stories I'm ever going to come across in my life will not be created by me and I want future generations or people currently trying to be writers now to do better than me so when I do step in it's me as a creative person saying don't do this or do this but better mm, right yeah. and with that said I'm going to make an active effort to be quieter during the whole the miss section so we don't make this go on too long and therefore create more of an editing nightmare for David. Yeah,
2: that's right. Quiet down over there, Peanut Gallery.
0: I'm going to try to, to condense. So there's a, there's a bit of um, liberalism in this, and that's to be expected because Stephen King, for you know all his good writing. He's still liberal, and I try not. Quick correction:
1: it. safe liber- liberalism. Huh? Uh, as in the kind of liberalism that even your average conservative will nod and be like, "That's right."
0: Eh. In a manner.
1: <laughs> so we we get introduced to
0: the 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 uh, father the mother and the daughter and then there's their neighbors are two old people and she makes the old lady makes reference to pollution and how there's more you know it's it be it what would she say it causes more pollution driving a short distance than a long distance then we get introduced to the daughter's best friend and his asshole father, and uh, I was uh, the friend. I'm going to assume is either gay or bisexual.
2: He's bisexual. He okay. states it when they get yeah. to the party. He they actually talk about it.
0: Yeah. So we get introduced to him. We we find out that the mother. I think her name is Eve. Yeah. She's very helicopter mom-ish herself. So the uh, the the quarter the captain of the football team invites her to a party. Uh, the mom's immediately like, "No, uh, she's too young for that." Daughter gets all angsty. Dad comes in and says, "Wait until your mom's asleep. Sneak out. Take take your friend with you." And. Uh, then there's a gender reference when, when i when th- i think when they're at the party and, and of course one of the football jocks has to pretend he's got the bigger dick and try to push the the gay friend around quarterback comes up being prince charming we also get introduced to another girl um I, I called at this point, I called her the druggie chick. Um, she, I guess we'll find out uh, what her deal is at some point, but she's getting the shit beat out of her by some dude. And she tricks him into taking his attention off of her. She breaks her duct tape restraints, kicks him in the nuts, uh, grabs his gun and runs off.
1: Quick question. <laughs> And uh, this is not necessary, so this is a thing you can easily edit out, but does anybody other than me want to see more fiction where the girl beats up the boy and not in that classic, hey, we've watched her be a victim forever, and we want to see her beat the shit out of him, but in the sense that, like, in real life, there are women that can kick the shit out of the average guy.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Okay, good. It's not. You're not
0: wrong. In fact, uh, I like that what's his name? The guy who wrote Firefly, Joss Whedon. Yeah. I like his yeah. the quote where he was like, uh, someone asked him, why do you keep writing strong women characters? And he was like, uh, I keep writing them until I get stopped at. I uh, get stopped being asked that question or some, it was some shit like that. It was really, it was really
1: cool. Yeah. With that thought in mind, I think in that, in regards to that idea of women, Zoe is hands down as best character oh, yeah. from Firefly. Oh. Also in regard to that, that's why I really like what is our, um, and I'm using this term extremely loosely. If you realize the amount of detail and dimension they put into the characters in the last of us part two, I really love the character of Abby, who is the person responsible for the inciting incident of the overall story of that game, because she's, designed and built like a shit brick like a brick shit house she's a brick, house. <laughs> yeah, but I also enjoy how they're showing that, yes, she is physically formidable, like her stealth move is she literally snaps people's necks when she snips up when she sneaks up on them with just her fucking like hands and forearms, oh yeah, but at the same time they acknowledge that she is a that doesn't stop her from being a heterosexual woman woman who clearly has some, if not carnal, at least romantic knowledge of men. Mm. They establish that literally in the first moment, in the first, like, gameplay elements where you meet her. Right. right. And it's very much woman who, like, does her sit-ups and push-ups and arm, like, weights and not, I've done a fuck-ton of Star um, steroids kind of woman. I love that, char- oh. that kind of character design that is not seen often enough, I think, in fiction. Right. So, she, um, stopping you for just a moment to say, I'm going to briefly use the bathroom. So, if you need to catch me up in a minute, I apologize. That's all right.
0: Okay. So, also at this point, the uh, the soldier has been running away from the mist that's been, I guess for lack of a better word, chasing him. Mm-hmm. Right. And he, he gets to the police station. And no, oh, how about that racism?
2: <laughs> there's a lot of like political stuff in because there's Adrian and uh E no not E. Carrot. No.
0: You're talking about the Kevin the mother? is the
2: f- Alex. No. It's Adrian and Alex. Alex is the daughter. Adrian's her best friend. When yeah. they're at the football game, they talk about how. Uh, uh, oh, how he mentions. Because uh, he, he, he talks about the, the... how football is a barbaric, savage uh, event created by the white. Fit. Uh, I don't remember his exact words, but created by white people, and then Alex mm-hmm. is like, even though it's predominantly populated by you know black people, and he's like, yeah, because it's because a systemic educational, a broken systemic educational system forces them to go into that that field of uh forces them to go into like entertainment and football to get away from that, and it's like their only way out. So they have that little talk in that little bit, and I was like they just had mm-hmm. to do it
0: <laughs> right <laughs> and uh so uh the uh yeah uh, train of thought Where are you yet so the soldier goes into the police station trying to get help the sheriff who i think i've wrote down a couple times is an asshole uh throws him in jail throws him in one of the jail cells because he tries to get a gun because he's trying to tell them that the mist is coming and there's crazy shit going on in the mist. But nope, he gets thrown in jail. And um, so after all that, we're at the party, then I guess it's a couple hours later, maybe even the day after uh, the dad, you know, go tries to sneak out of bed, goes to, Goes in and checks the daughter's room. She's not there. Shuts the door and automatically helicopter mom is up. And like, what's wrong? Where's where's my daughter? They see her outside on a, on a bench swing. And that's when we find out she was raped. Or we think she was raped. And that's when Eve becomes a bitch.
2: Nah, Eve was a bitch from the get-go. She didn't become a bitch. She was a bitch from the start. Now, (laughs) it doesn't mean that she wasn't right about the sex education thing, but she was still a bitch. Um, The scene that I will point to is when uh, her and Kevin are sitting on the bench, and she's telling him what happened. And she's like, I'm sorry. Uh, They're going to fire me, and I won't be able to get another job because all the schools will find out and know why they fired me. So I'm not going to be able to get another job. And Kevin is just like, well, I could go back to, uh, uh, I forget the first job. No, not advertising. That was his second thing. He said, I could go do this. And she was like, well, you already work enough. And then he was like, well, I could go back to advertising. And then she's like, would you do that? And then, no, she's like, I could go back to advertising. And she's like, but how long would it be before you started hating me for it? And then he's like, well, we could move. And she's like, and she's like, "You do that for me." He's like, "I do anything for you." And she's like, "Yeah, but you love it here." And then he's like, "It is pretty." She's like, "Yeah," until you look too closely, and she flicks a centipede off of her uh, off of her lap. And I'm like, "Bitch, this dude is trying to do things for you, and you you say there's a problem. He gives you these solutions, and you just shoot every single one of them down in the most condescending way you can. Like, mm-hmm. really?" <laughs> like, like are you fucking kidding me now like and not only that but you set you knew the kind of conflict you were getting into when you decided to do this and you knew there were going to be repercussions so you made the conscious choice to put your whole career in danger and, you, and she said it herself, he already works too much. So you have a husband working his ass off, and you jeopardize your job over what? Because people are allowed to raise their kids the way they want to raise their kids? And that really is what it is. I'm not saying that the other parents are right by not allowing uh, sex education to be taught in that high school. I believe all kids should have sexual education in middle school to high school, I did actually, um, mm. and I and it, it, and you know what? I don't have a bunch of random kids. You know how many of my friends I know either have kids with women they hate, or women they're no longer with, or multiple women who they're no, multiple kids with multiple women they're no longer with. <laughs> so. It is important to teach your children about sex so that they can make educated decisions on it and do it safely. If they don't know – if you just blind them to it, then they don't understand or know the consequences of it, which means they're more prone to having to deal with those consequences because they are going to do it. Whether you think you have it under control or not, they are going to do it. Period. They're going to. It's going to happen. So right. give them the best tools to make the best decisions,
0: right? So but like, like... so
2: I, I <laughs> uh, so I think she was right in that respect that they should. But it's also mm. not her decision to make. It is the parents' decisions if they want their kids to learn that stuff in that grade, and it is the school board's decision of whether they will, uh, if whether they'll enforce or allow it or deny it. That's their right. choices. It's not hers all she can do is go i don't agree with it but okay (laughs) continue sorry i went on kind of a rant there but it's it's a no it like she's she's a dick and we get and later on in the episode we find out we get a little glimpse into why but she's a dick
1: I just came in, and the first thing I heard was she's a dick. Because she is. So, <laughs> okay. You know what? I'm playing a video game where I think it, where I've heard several times that a-
0: <sighs> maybe that's anchor telling us we need to hurry hurry up and finish this. Part. Oh yeah. yeah. Sorry, I
2: didn't mean to go in the mini rant. It's just because that was something I noted down in my notes. But go ahead, continue.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. And I was, I was gonna try to say, like, you know, you teach a kid, hey, you put your thing in her, she might pop out a crib midget. Make sure you like this bitch before you do that. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> so I just, I'm playing a video game where I just heard a female character who is a lesbian say several times, "Suck my dick." So <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. for for a little bit of added reference for others, you can edit this out if you like to, David. Uh, when I am getting tipsy and/or drunk, strangely enough, my brain is still operating on all cylinders, but it's the motor function that goes out the window. <laughs> hmm. Yep. Yeah,
0: it's usually the same with me. But uh, I'll start like slurring like, each and like kind of going off on tangents or
1: some shit. But uh, I go on. I actually act more sober drunk than I do when I'm sober. That being said, I just finished off the first Crowler and I'm moving on to the second one, but it only has a 5.5 5 or 5.3 5. ABV. So mm. it's me trying to hold the buzz <laughs> than anything right. else. Though I'm not going to lie. I'm not in buzz. This is, uh, believe it or not, the most drunk I've been in over a month. Mm. This very light drunk with the lower L. You know, the kind you know, but also at the same time, I seem to have a slightly stronger constitution than most, frustratingly enough. Hmm. Indeed. Somewhere between American and European. And Hmm. anybody who wants to be an asshole and be like, are you saying Americans can't handle the liquor? I'm going to point out the ABV in Europe is much fucking higher than it is in America.
0: Indeed.
1: (laughs) Ask
2: any soldier. Continue. (laughs)
1: <laughs> all right. Uh continue, David. Right. So, uh and Does again I move I'm on gonna, to an oatmeal stout.
0: I try to con- condense this down some more. So, well,
1: so long story short, all these families are fucked up. Basically. It's <laughs> like it's a Stephen King adaptation or something.
0: Right. And, oh and my I
1: know that God like, this tastes great. <laughs> Indeed. Sorry, I moved. This is an oatmeal Stout, by the way, folks. Mm-hmm. And it's wonderful. Right. So, you know, like the Fuck you IPA drinkers.
0: <laughs> so, you know, the the titular family, they've got their fucked up issues. Like the daughter thinks the mom doesn't love her. The dad tells the daughter, well, she her love is nuanced and rich. But then at the I just same- want to
1: say one of my favorite lines ever in any work of fiction is when a parent actually admits that they don't love their kid. Not because I think that's the way it should be or the way I like, but let's be honest, it, hopefully only peripherally, we've all known those parents who actually genuinely don't love their kids. Hmm. Hmm. Like well, I said... to be oh, fair, children are assholes. The same. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> but a good parent realizes that their role is to keep their kid is to teach their kids not to be an asshole. Well, like we're all, let's be Frank. We're all sociopaths at birth because the, we're all looking at the world from the inside out and we have to learn that what we do affects the world. And in turn, that effect comes back on us in some way, shape or form.
0: Well, you can be Frank if you want. I'm, I'm going to still be David though.
1: So, just so you know. I'll be Bach. <laughs> you can be Beethoven.
0: So, yeah, so they've got their fucked up shit. Eve is now, she's still pissed off over, you know, her daughter getting raped. Uh, some of the football
1: douchebags. What the fuck? <laughs> I'm sorry. I stepped out to use the bathroom and I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> uh. Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: David, may I?
1: Sure. Okay. Daughter
2: (laughs) wanted to go to party. Mom wouldn't let her go. Jock was going to be there. This was a part of the show's whole going, well, look how pretty it is, but underneath it's sinister because there's random uh, crap going on. She father and mother have a definite conflict where it comes to how to raise their daughter and what she should be allowed to do and not do. So the we're father still on goes the behind pilot, the aren't we? Yes. We're still in the first episode. The father oh, goes oh. behind the mother's back, lets the daughter go to the party as long as she takes her friend Adrian. He tells her specifically no drinking. She goes to the party. The jock
1: that immediately she immediately starts drinking. With, Hold oh, on. No, no, no. Hold, uh, let me finish my thought. No, no, no. I'm just saying, I'm starting to, like, the memory is starting to kick in. So maybe she but, doesn't immediately start drinking, but she does drink. But she does drink. Jock, it's drugged.
2: Yeah, they find out later that it was drugged, but at the and point the time, jock she just way woke up. Well, no, we don't know that yet. So what happens is, she wakes up, she comes home, she gets caught, because she wasn't home when the dad woke up. She tells them what happened, that she woke up, she could feel what had happened. Um, and that Adrian told her it was Jack, the jock she was infatuated
1: with. And he's like the if all If I remember correctly, once again, because like memory's starting to kick in, Adrian's the gay friend, right?
4: Mm-hmm. Adrian
1: is the, yes. He's the
2: bisexual friend.
1: Right, okay, good. It really is starting to all come home. But what I mean by gay is what we, uh, back in the day, would call effeminate.
4: Well he wears makeup,
1: so yeah,
2: that's yeah. that's still yeah. fairly accurate.
1: I remember Adrian, I remember actually liking that character. Like him just like in and of himself without context was actually a pretty cool character.
2: Hmm. But that's neither here nor there. But that catches you yeah. up, and David, continue.
1: Right, so um No, it's just the reason I brought that up is just because it's like if I remember correctly, and this is going back into bad writing, this is one of those cases where they're showing rape as being a sexual desire and not really a uh, act of violence to exude control over another, which is what it actually is. So that's all I have to say about that. Right. Um, sorry to interrupt.
0: That's you know, something <laughs> like that. So <clears throat> all that happened, some of the football jocks. Uh, paint whore on the street in front of their house and break a window. They rush back to the Mustang and, and drive off because, you know, like we keep saying, teenagers are assholes.
1: <clears throat> right. Also, I think this also ties into the idea of um taking victim blaming into the most general and broadest of terms, or as I like to prefer to call it, cartoonish so that you don't see what it actually is in context so that you can look at yours so that you as an audience member can say, that's not me.
0: Hmm. Something. So that, that ends up being a, a, a whole big thing. Also not to, not to forget the fact that Jay's father is the sheriff. So that, that adds that other bit of, um,
1: shittiness to the to the to the ship pile uh this is once again if you want to edit out to feel free but this is actually one of those this is the reason why i have an issue with that using broad strokes thing because if i remember the father being the sheriff correctly that's actually one of the things that is realistically accurate small towns with sheriffs because that's an elected position it is these are Yeah, these are literally the kind of problems they have. I recommend the podcast Into the Dark if you want to see details about that. And believe it or not, objective details about that. And how being objective can turn certain people against you. Um, But um, yeah, this is why I don't like those broad strokes safe like uh, political things they put into stories. Because it makes things that actually do happen in real life... Look cartoonish and ridiculous by comparison, hmm. and it know. adds to that. Yeah, it adds to that whole "this is bad writing and storytelling" aspect of things.
0: Right, you're not wrong. So, um, at this point, Eve is planning to go to her sister's, taking the daughter with her. She's basically running off because she's all pissy and has her panties in a twist. And possibly rightfully so, but still she's being a bitch. Right. And the so throughout all these, you know, scenes, we're seeing the mist creep closer, we're seeing more insects. And then at one point we see the mountain or So no. just
1: to be clear, and once again, this is me being more tipsy than drunk now, like I said, I started sobering <coughs> up and it's a lower ABV now. And also having missed a couple of points, this is a show based off of, well, let's be honest. They're going to claim it's based off of the short story novella by Stephen King, but it's really based off of the movie about how there are horrible Lovecraftian nightmares in this fog. But still what we're getting in this pilot is that it is all about the town.
0: Well, we, so we have yet to see any of the creatures in the mist. Which, uh, going back, being this is my first time with this story of Stephen King's, I was wondering, so how long until we find out that the town's built on an Indian burial ground and the mist is, (laughs) uh, you know, the native's way of punishing the
1: white people? May I step in for a moment? Go for it both the story and the movie make it clear that this is a result of government and or military experiments to look into an actual multiverse. And that basically oh. we have gone into an alt and that basically we have accessed an alternate reality that is essentially just not compatible with ours. And that that mist is a natural result of the environment of that other universe Their version, more or less, of Earth. That's why a lot of the creatures, uh, if you watch the movies, I don't know about the show, take on a very insectoid appearance. And and also also for a quick moment, I want to point out, this is why it's bad to create an adaptation of an adaptation.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's like multiplicity. When one of the clones makes a clone of himself, that clone is the slow, stupid one.
1: More like Inception than Multiplicity, but that also does a disservice to the movie Inception when I say that. Right. So,
0: this episode, like I was saying, we're seeing insects, and we get to a part where the old lady, I get her name's Mrs. Raven. She's tending to the garden, and all of a sudden, there's a fuck ton of frogs, you know, jumping away, and we cut to the mountain, We can see the mist and we see flocks of birds just flying the fuck away. So it's that, I guess, rats deserting the sinking ship kind of thing.
1: I'm glad you said that because I'm going to try to tap out for an example period to point out this one of those. If you want to be a good storyteller, I'm just saying this real quick to point this out. This is why it's imperative. You pay attention to bad writing, be it in television books, films, whatever, because knowing what not to do or recognizing cliches is just as important as knowing what to, to do and recognizing positive innovation. Mm, right.
0: So at this point, the mom has taken the daughter. They're going to the mall to pick up her Valium that she's getting because, uh, you know, dealing with the trauma of the, of the rape happening and
1: which is clearly is, more about the parent than the actual victim,
0: yeah, and the mist is getting closer um, well what was it I'm trying to remember why the father went to the um oh he went to the to the sheriff's office to report the uh the right the broken the broken window
2: oh yeah, yeah, it was it yeah. the second time it was a broken window, yeah yeah
1: yeah, wait, so, wait. Um, this is me playing audience surrogate. So you're telling me his daughter is raped, but he went to the cops about vandalism.
0: No, no, no. They went to the cops about the rape, but after the the football douchebags broke a window and wrote whore on the, uh, on the street, he went to the cops about that the second time. OK. Yeah. So uh, this is this is where they've split up. Oh, my God. You know what happens. At least no one said I'll be right back yet. <laughs> if you do that, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to have to do something because that's that's just one of those worst, worst horror tropes and uh so at this point the mist is now encroaching the city uh starting to gather and the the one thing that i wrote down that i just i can't fucking figure out why do they keep going into the fucking mist
2: cuz <laughs> well okay so you have to understand they don't know <laughs> what it is they at this point they don't know what this is the problem I have with them going into the mist is that they keep coming out of it alive and <laughs> that half of the deaths that well no, not half of it yeah no 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 no. half of the deaths that actually happen in the mist are not by the creatures, but by other people because they're in the mist and they're see I guess they're seeing the creatures and getting freaked out like there's a there's a moment where the older couple goes out into the mist and some random guy comes up and shoots the husband in the head and kills him
0: cuz right. cuz he, he thought he, he
2: might not be real.
0: Yeah, he's pointing the gun and he's <laughs> like, "Are you real?" Bam. And the wife's like, "Why did you do that? I'm sorry." He shoots himself. And you know, yeah, and it's, it's just... and that's that that's one that's one of the deaths. Well, two of the deaths, yes. Um So remember, the sheriff's deputy, being a fucking idiot, goes into the mist taking selfies.
2: Well, once again, they don't know what this is, and there haven't been like a slew of deaths. This this would absolutely happen if some mist like this rolled into a town this would absolutely happen. No one would believe there was anything dangerous in it. they think it was some kind of weird weather phenomenon. So him going in and taking selfies in it makes perfect sense. And him right, dying but, because of it makes perfect sense.
0: Right. And he, he gets attacked by a fucking shit ton of cockroaches or some shit.
2: Yeah. And at they're, this point, they're basically like giant cockroaches.
0: Yeah. And it and at this point, um, you know, the, the dad goes in they, they don't even talk about the vandalism yet, but uh, yeah, and oh, and uh, they have Adrian there for, for questioning, you know, because of the, because of the rape. So we have, and also the, uh, I forget what her name is, so I'm just going to continue calling her the, the druggie chick
2: yeah i don't think we ever catch her name i'm sure it was said but i don't even remember
0: it yeah so we have her in the jail cell next to the soldier who i guess has been irritating the ever-loving shit out of her talking about the mist so i'm going to assume he actually saw what was in the mist so they're there um The daughter stays in the car while the mom goes into the mall. I I guess in Maine they have drugstores and malls. Uh,
2: uh, from what I saw, it would appear so.
0: And this is this is where we meet the Karen with her son. And you know, she's she's being a she's being a Karen. And uh, that's when Eve is like, well, you know, um, it's blowjobs and condoms. I mean, I did find your son watching blowjob porn on his phone one day. And that's when he like immediately just tucks his phone into his pocket. Like, huh? What? I didn't do anything.
4: Mm -hmm.
0: So and and all through this, I'm hoping, you know, I'm hoping the asshole sheriff gets killed. I'm hoping that Karen gets killed. And we'll get to that in a second. So, um, the deputy having giant cockroaches crawling all over him, he's screaming for help and running and he, he just kind of disappears for a few minutes. And that's when the sheriff's like, all right, we need to get the hell out of here. Um, him and the father go outside. Father tosses the sheriff the keys. Hang on, I'm going to go get Adrian. So the sheriff is sitting in the car, and I'm I'm just thinking up. Oh, he's going to drive off. He shouldn't have gave him his keys. Or shouldn't have given yeah. him your key. He's going to drive off because he's a dick. So they so he goes in to get Adrian, and then they go into the to the holding cells, and they're talking to the soldier and the woman. Um, he take, he, you know, he releases them. The, the bisexual friend has a little spat with the woman. And she's like, well, um, you're going to want a, uh, a bitch like me to keep you alive. Or it, it was some shit like that. And uh, yeah,
2: he, uh, she called him a freak. He said, I'm not a freak. Now this actually was interesting because we saw a very manipulative uh, manipulative side of Adrian's character. Because what mm-hmm. happens is Kevin, once he, it, when, while he's inside, is talking to the druggie chick and Brian. And they're mm-hmm. talking about him letting them out. And so he, when he leaves after she calls Adrian a freak, Adrian tells her that if she needs to apologize or he'll tell Kevin that she threatened him and then see if she can get out of that jail cell. So then Mm. I immediately go, Adrian may have lied lied about Jay having raped Alex. And it's also possible it could have been Adrian himself who actually did it.
0: Mm. I didn't think about that. That's That's a very astute thought there.
2: And the reason I say that is because Adrian and Alex are very close. And it has been established that while Adrian is effeminate, he points out he has no like preference when it comes to his sexual partner. He's as interested in women as he is in men. And they'll show scenes of him and Alex just cuddled up. They have a very close relationship. So mm-hmm. I thought it odd if he's so bisexual that he wouldn't be interested in Alex. But it's also very much shown that Alex is absolutely uh uh what is the word uh dude, not obsessed but uh intense attraction too, that has nothing to do with love uh
0: too trusting
2: <laughs> no 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 infatuated it's shown that she is infatuated with jay he is the you know he's the star quarterback football player pretty boy like, I saw Jay, and even I was like, okay, yeah, that's a pretty boy. <laughs> it's like, a, like, even I had to admit that. Like, he is, the, he is the king of that high school. She is infatuated. And for some odd reason, Jay is interested in Alex, which is weird, because Alex isn't that attractive. There were at least five girls I saw throughout this episode that were prettier than Alex. I have no idea why he was so interested in Alex.
4: Though,
1: right. I'm somebody who so, thinks that Alan Mirren and uh Judy Dench are incredibly attractive, but that's because talent is sexy to me. Well, well right, well, but I mean... Alex has no talent either.
2: Oh, wow. <laughs> 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 see, see, yeah, see what I'm saying? There was there was <laughs> there's nothing presented to us as to why Jay actually likes Alex or is even paying attention to her.
1: Wow. Um uh, so, sorry, I stepped out for a bit to use the bathroom and check the mail because I was worried I was getting disruptive. Uh, is Jay the rapist? Jay is the
2: we accused so. rapist, yes.
1: Okay, we we think think so, so, but thank you. Yeah,
2: Gerald
0: makes a good point, though, uh, when you, you weren't here, I don't think. He makes a good point that since Adrian, we find out he's very manipulative, it could very well be Adrian was the one that raped her and is blaming the pretty boy football
1: jock. That's too many red herrings. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well,
2: it also, it may have also have been the other jock that got into a fight with Adrian. That was my other thought That's process, too many
1: suspects. If this isn't that, an Agatha Christie novel, you've overdone it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> hey, I didn't write it. I'm just
1: watching it. <laughs> no, I'm already convinced just based on the description of the first two scenes that if you had written it, this would be a better show. Hmm. <laughs> i'd like
2: to dude sometimes i go why am i so self-conscious about my writing when stuff like this gets million dollar contracts
1: (laughs) dude this is already like you guys have reminded me why i'm not even sure if i watched more than the pilot and like i said that's when this first came out like 2014 or 15 or whatever the fuck ever Because like it's it's just you describing just like scenes in the pilot remind me. There are times where I'm like literally a person with zero experience in writing or interest in writing whatsoever would have done a better job with this pilot than they did. Hmm. I'm sure I I could have done a
0: better job.
2: Really argue that. (laughs) While this is going (laughs) on, the show gives me nothing to
1: (laughs) argue with. I am literally looking at my recently acquired film Blu-ray collection of the Marx Brothers, and I'm already thinking instantly of better writing, and that's comedy! That is vaudeville-based comedy, and yet the drama in that is already better in my mind than what you have described for the pilot of this TV show. Well, they actually seem to be handling the accusation of
2: rape very well, Because there's only an eyewitness, it is made readily – I guess if you're paying attention, it is made readily uh, clear that the person accused may not have been the person who did it. Like There's even a scene where Jay is in the car with his dad, and his dad is telling him, don't worry about it. We're going to get the best lawyers. You're not going to jail. And Jay turns to him, and he's like, why are you talking to me like you think I did it?
1: Okay, I instantly I have to call in bad writing right there because if his dad's the sheriff, then they don't need the best lawyers because he just mm. does he just doesn't press charges.
2: I don't remember verbatim what the dad said, but it can it, He ended it with "You're not going to jail,"
1: right? Yeah, that's what so, I'm saying. Yeah. It's, it feels yeah. like what they're trying to say is the justice system works, but because we're because we have access to good lawyers. We can keep it from working against you, but in reality, if you're the son of the sheriff in a small town, you don't get to the lawyer process if you are <laughs> never actually convicted to begin with. Right, and well, yeah. the sheriff determines that.
0: Right. Yeah, and uh, and like you said, that that's more bad writing. Yeah. Or or as I as as we like to call it, plot armor.
1: Well. Here, let me put it to you this way. There's a difference between bad writing and then there's Daredevil, the Ben Affleck movie, bad writing. (laughs) Like, as a Daredevil fan, because of all the Easter eggs, I actually love that movie. But seriously... The courtroom scene in the first act is one of the worst courtroom scenes I have ever come across in any work of fiction in my entire life. Because you don't need to be a law, lo- you don't even need to be as much of a law student to realize why that doesn't work. You just need to watch any random episode of Law and Order to realize why that is not the way it works. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> and this. That that and it's really on that level. You're the son of the sheriff. Fuck! You don't have a criminal record. You've been given a <laughs> get out of jail free card for pretty much as long as your father is sheriff. <clears throat> well, that's
0: uh, not entirely incorrect, but yeah. So, uh, moving moving on, so we can wrap this up and then. Um, just just for the sake of it, uh, after we finish our review of this first episode, I'm... we'll go ahead and jump into into constant time because I have a feeling that's going to take
1: a while. How far did you guys get into the whole show? Just the first episode. It's just so the first far. episode. So you're like me then. <laughs> well, we're uh, like episode we, one, we... and I was done. That was my experience with the mist. From well, we're, like...
0: we're, we're we we we've, we've made this a i guess a staple for the podcast, you know in addition to talking about games, politics, or whatever we'll we also start you know doing reviews of shows
1: no, I get that, but it's just like generally speaking, I try to give a show at least a full three season, episodes. yeah, for Star Trek, I give three seasons because you need at least the third season before it gets good um. Hmm. Let me just put it to you this way: If it wasn't for the fact that I was on quarantine, I never would have watched the entirety of Titans, which turned out to be a better show than I expected. And this is speaking as a fan of the Teen Titans comic. <laughs> so, because like that pilot is bad, and that and um, that pilot is very much an extension of what you saw in the trailer, and it's just uh, this is a this is one where. Um, uh, do you mind if I take a quick aside to what a good or bad pilot is? As weird as that may sa- as condescending as that may sound at first. Well, go for hold it, that it thought.
2: Well, we'll hold <laughs> yeah. that thought. Let's go ahead and finish this cuz then you can make that thought and then we can go immediately in the constant time. So just Gerald? hold that thought, remember it.
1: <laughs> Gerald Yes. I agree with you completely because you're right. If you're not done with the pilot, then I shouldn't explain what a good or bad pilot is beforehand. Go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right. So, so we have the dad, the manipulative friend, the soldier, and the mysterious woman. Because as I, as I had suspected – the sheriff decided, fuck this shit and stole the dude's car. Then Who's we car? And, uh the father.
1: Kevin's car. Kevin, gotcha. The father. Yeah. yeah. The father the of dad. the rape victim. No, the father, yes. yeah, the father of the rape victim. Kevin, the father of the of the rape victim, yes. Yes. Yeah. Once and again, then, apologies. I did step out for a bit. Go ahead. It's fine. All right, you're good.
0: And at the mall, we have the mother, the daughter. And the supposed rapist We find that out at the end of the first episode
1: <clears throat> David gonna, uh, Feel free to edit this comment out But I just want to say Thank you for saying supposed
0: yeah. He says that You can edit this comment out Like I actually do any editing I've only done editing <laughs> once And that was because my friend Chewy Told the worst Fucking joke <laughs> and I and I had to find, had to search through that entire, all those segments just to find it so I could take it out.
1: But yeah. Well, so, I'm tipsy right now. I was drunk, but I've gone back to tipsy. I'm working on it. Right.
0: So. Um, <laughs> I'm so yeah. drunk. Yeah, 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 right. Yes. So we have. <laughs> okay. So. The daughter is waiting in the car. She calls the dad. You know, I'm scared. Come get me. And this, the mist has now taken over the city. So she gets out of the car. And immediately that dude who... Actually, no, it was another dude because the first one killed himself. Some dude in the mist, like, shoulder checks her and runs off. So she's trying to get... To the mall, so she can find her mom, and uh, her mom goes outside after you know telling the Karen off, which I was so, I was so glad about that. Just fuck that Karen.: Don't you
1: know that's racist?
0: I don't <laughs> care.
1: Yeah, well, in its defense, it wasn't racist until this year, after the whole quarantine situation, but go ahead. <laughs> mm. So I'm still going to call a Karen a Karen. I don't care. Dude, I don't blame you because all the Karens are trying to claim it's racist or sexist. Like, they do it in a fashion that reinforces the Karen stereotype. Pretty much. Pretty much. So, the mom
0: steps outside. uh, The daughter hears her. She sees the dead body. Somehow, they are magically able to meet up and go back into the mall. Anyone else who's been in the mist has not had a good time.
1: Well, they're not our main characters, so right. And again, plot plot armor, armor.
0: plot armor, (laughs) right. So you know the daughter's freaking out. There, you know, people are gathering at the door, seeing all the mist. Uh, Karen and her son start to go out, and the daughter's like, "Don't go out there." And Karen's like, "Fuck you! I'm going to do whatever I want." So they disappear into the mist. I do what I want
1: straw man or a straw woman in this case well
0: not not a minute later everybody hears a scream and karen like throws herself against the glass her entire lower jaw is missing
2: no and sorry for interrupting here but this scene stuck out to me a lot because the moment she pressed up against the glass and we see – because it's not her lower jaw. It's her entire mouth is gone, which is why her tongue is hanging out. Her whole upper and lower jaw, well, all of it's gone.
1: I got to point out, so, David's actually correct. If you're – the mouth is only one part of the lower jaw. Yeah,
0: because <laughs> you're – it's called your So name. she's
1: missing her – Mouth
2: and a part of her upper face, then because it's literally just under the nose is gone as well. So oh, okay. Yeah, this...
1: I see what you mean now. Yeah, yeah. go yeah, ahead. Yeah, that's so what I'm talking about the roof her, of her mouth and her the
2: bottom. Teeth out. Right. The quarter so, of the face is gone. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. this stuck out to me because the moment she ran up and hit the glass, I just rolled my eyes. Because <laughs> it's one of those, it's one of those. It, for me, it's one of those movie mistakes where they go, "Oh, this will be really grueso- grotesque, and gruesome and terrifying." And it's like, "No, dude, it's eye-rolling for a very simple reason."
1: Gerald, <laughs> can I go back to what I said about Suicide Squad for just a moment? No, <laughs>
3: I'm trying no, no, to do no, this you-
1: quickly as well, no. I know, just a quick <laughs> moment. But what I'm saying is, it's like if it was something like Suicide Squad: Hell to Pay, which I talked about earlier, mm. that works because you're not supposed to take the gore and violence seriously. If you, as the creator, want the audience to take the gore and violence seriously, it doesn't work because '70s exploitation style is cartoonish. This is you trying to give a serious drama and failing. Right, because – and it's not that it's
2: comical. It's just that your brain goes, how? First off, it's too big of an injury for her to come running back. It just is. (laughs) And it wasn't bleeding. It's not like it had been acidically or somehow burned or cauterized. She wasn't even bleeding when she got back. So it didn't even make sense – That for her, like, if you want something to be scary and tense, first off, you you really have to work on the atmosphere for it, and second off, you don't want to give them an injury so severe that the audience will immediately think, "How in the world did they even get back that seriously wounded?"
1: So, what you're saying is, it's the hip hop problem.
2: The hip hop problem. I'm not aware. I'm not uh, familiar with that.
1: That's my own personal term. So. But what I mean when I say the hip-hop problem is, when you listen to most, like, modern hip-hop, and I really do mean for the last, like, nearly 20 years, and it's, it's uh, rap is really bad about it, but hip-hop in general has this issue, it's taking the elements of what made hip-hop brilliant in the 90s, particularly the early to mid-90s, you know, the social issues, the bragging about what it's like to be rich and all that stuff, And taking the elements of that, but not taking the time to understand that before they create their own version of it. So it's like you bring up the social issues because it's basically the artist expressing the problems they have as a member, usually as a member of that race with the modern world. And you bring up the whole what it's like to be rich issues to bring up that disparity but then you get a whole generation of people who just listen to that without looking into the details, without look, without getting the context. So it's just Rich is being awesome and the violence, the drug use, the fucking using women. It's not a product of my environment. It's just this is what you do kind of aspect of it. Mm. So it's the difference between the surface and what's below the surface.
0: I'm going to write that down as another issue we can talk about.
1: <clears throat> <laughs> I have a lot of issues with modern like hip hop that comes specifically from that. Like yeah. you listen to like Biggie and Tupac from the 90s and then compare it to the people who rap about the same things like in the last like I said 20 years, close dangerously close to 20 years, possibly even more than that, and you start to realize there's a difference between what those two were doing and what the people to they who were trying to make that a thing are doing
4: hmm.
1: right, and so, then you very quickly realize why. Want, why that previous generation works, and the current doesn't. And it's not just a case of I'm old and I just don't get it. It's a case of I'm young and I don't get it. Right. So we're in the home stretch now, Evan. Okay. Contain yourself. Just for four minutes. I know. Sorry. I do need to take a piss again, so it should be easy for me. Yes. Overactive okay. immune system with a lot of alcohol has a dangerous is a dangerous, um, well not dangerous but let's just say a very toilet friendly combination. Yes.
0: Problematic. <laughs> so we have uh, the In chart- my defense,
1: David, I'm doing my best impression of you during the writing sprints since you've made it very clear that drinking is an active part of that. Mm, yeah, you're not wrong.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you are not wrong,
1: also, like I said, this does tie into heavily Constantine later right, but and we're
0: and we're gonna we'll get talk to about
1: that. that then, yes,
0: so um going back to the police station, uh Kevin's let the two out. He goes and grabs a pistol from the weapons locker. The mysterious girl's like, you know, you should give me one, too. And he's like, nope, I'm the only one who has one. And uh, <clears throat> the deputy comes back. He's missing an eye. And I think part of his mouth is torn off, too, isn't it?
2: Uh, missing an eye and part of his head seems to have been, like, eaten out or, or like, there's, like, a, uh, like, something scooped part of his it. It was probably just eaten by the insects, but that's how it looks. But yeah. Go ahead. Right.
0: And, you know, uh, Kevin's trying to fight him off. Mysterious girl shoots the deputy in the back of the head, killing him. And she's like, do you trust me now? And he's like, yes. And we end this episode with everybody at the mall kind of gathering around the fountain. Cause there's always a fountain at the mall. And, and Eve's telling The daughter, you know, everything's going to be fine. I'll protect you. This, this, and this. And they hug. And that's when the daughter looks and sees Jay.
2: Dun, dun, dun.
0: (laughs) So. (sighs)
2: That was so
3: stupid.
2: Uh, And I have saw it coming, but I didn't think they were going to commit to it and I was like, oh, I see what you're trying to do here. You shouldn't be trying to do that here.
0: <laughs> yeah, so uh, so let's go with what are your thoughts? You can do it quickly. Um, it's, in the bathroom.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, it's about as much of a... I, my thought is just that it, it's about as much of a train wreck as I thought it was going to be.
0: Mm, indeed. So if y'all like if y'all like our review of this, I keep telling you let us know uh, we'll we'll continue it if you do I'm, I'm probably gonna do at least another episode I mean fuck's sake this shit i don't know would you say this is uh would you say this is Tiger King level train wreck or is this train
2: wreck? oh no. <laughs> no, Tiger King level trait that, if we're on a scale of 1 to 10... I'm going to instantly if, disagree if with Tiger that. Tiger King is a <laughs> 10 out of 10. Like, Tiger King is a 10 out of 10 on the train
4: wreck scale. Got
1: well, hold on, hold on. I want to say something real quick, if that's our um, what we're going with for our barometer. Here's the difference between Tiger King, what I would generally call a ta- uh, train wreck, is... um. Tiger King is a train wreck if it's a train wreck created by Mr. Glass. Hmm. <laughs> like, the whole point of Tiger King is that it's a train wreck. It's supposed to be trash. This is a train wreck by somebody where it's like, someone thinks they got the best conductor, they got the best engineers involved, and someone, if not everyone, did not do their fucking jobs. Hmm. You <laughs> had one
0: job Kevin and you didn't fucking do it.
1: Nothing except Cash. except here's the problem. Everyone involved is named Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> no, like you can, it, you can call, you can, like having watched only two episodes of Tiger King, I get it. That's trash. That's that you're tr- basically trying to get the um ah uh, what what was the name of the dude, the talk show host from the mid-90s? Jerry, Jerry. Springer? J- yeah, you're trying to get the Jerry Springer crowd with Tiger King. And in that regard, it's a success. It succeeded. It's trash for trash's sake. This is somebody who was trying to make the wire and create a cop rock.
2: Hmm. I can see that.
0: <laughs> so... <sighs> Gonna crumple that page and a half up, and
1: I'm happy to say I'm back to drunk. Um, are we at the point where I can describe what a good pilot is now? Uh, yes,
2: David's got to give his last thoughts, and then yes. Um,
1: I don't think well, you gave your thoughts. I, on I yeah. Hold, well, hold. if he has a la- if it's last thoughts, then I think it's probably best that I say what a good pilot is beforehand. Go for it. Yeah, it's just um, let me make it clear. Um, Going back to SF Debris standards for um, ratings, which is, as he points it out, he uses a 0 to 10 scale. 0 is the worst of the worst. It's like out of every single episode of of a show you've done, this is absolutely the hands down worst. But 10 is rated to scale. So you have multiple episodes at level 10. What that means is, like, if you have 100 episodes, like, let's say you have exactly 100 episodes of a show, then 10 of those episodes are going to be rated 10, for lack of a better way to put it. And the reason for that is to say, this is as good as the show gets. Using that scale, then your pilot should be about a 5 or a 6, which is about average. The whole point of a pilot And pilots are hard as fuck to do. So let's make that very clear from the Mm get-go. You're establishing what your entire show is in that one episode. It almost Mm -hmm. will never be considered one of the best, just one of the most important, because it gets everything off. But you're establishing your characters. You're establishing your setting. You're establishing your premise. But you're also, most importantly, establishing what will be more or less the quality of the show you're creating on an episode-to-episode basis. Correct. Right. So, if we're going to say that this is average, your pilot needs to be at the very least, if not good or bad, enjoyable. Because you're basically saying this is our show in one episode. Mm. <clears throat> now... There really? are shows where you need to be patient with it, like The Wire is considered one of the greatest shows of all time, but that pilot is not the best on the first watching. you got to be patient with it. And granted, Netflix has a bit of leniency with that, since they tend to put their shows out season by season, as opposed to episode by episode, as like, say, HBO, HBO, now HBO Max, or DC Universe. But Let me put it to you, this: like I said earlier, I sort of hinted at this earlier, the only reason I watched Titans long enough to realize it actually is a good show is because I just had nothing but time on my hands. Hmm. And that pilot is just a one degree lesser version of what you saw on the pilot. It's like taking all the edgier parts of the pilot... And putting it into the and making a trailer out of it, and you get the idea of what that first like commercial trailer, whatever you want to call it, for Titans is. But it actually is a good show, and that pilot is still a decent pilot because it shows what they have to work off of. And it's not ideal, but it's not the worst pilot you could ever do. Everything about the pilot to the mist from the first episode on, because like I said. Look at the time The Mist first came out, and you'll roughly get when I first saw the pilot, and you literally, everything you guys have said that I caught has been, like, jogging my memory of a reminder of why I didn't watch past that first episode. Hmm. It's an excellent example. This is a shit pilot. Because if this one episode is a microcosm of what the series as a whole is going to be, then this is a sign that I'm in for a bad show. And I'm not 100% sure, but I don't think it got a second season. I only saw one season. Yeah, which is even worse by Netflix standards than it is by, like, network or even, like, HBO standards. At least with HBO, if it got a second season, it's because the execs enjoy it as fans. This right here says that nobody liked this fucking show. Well,
0: I guess we shall see. I think we'll at least watch the next episode to see uh to see how it fares and to, you know, torture ourselves some more cuz that's what we do here at, at Gaming Sessions podcast. We torture ourselves and we do
1: podcasts and I drink. Well, now I'm already to drinking trying to keep my 27 27- Excuse me, I'm surprised. It's 2017. Like, literally so much good TV has come out since then that <laughs> I didn't even realize this was only three years ago. Mm-hmm. Wow. That sh- Do you have any idea how bad a show has to be? That it's been completely kicked out of my memory for three years straight that it made me think this was, like, closer to 2014 or 2015? Probably quite, quite bad, I'm going to guess. Really bad. Like, I've had trouble June 22nd, 2017. So this is exactly, by the time we're recording this, three years and three days old. And I hated this so much that I eliminated an extra three to four years from my memory to this.
0: Well, it's kind of like... Remember when you had when uh, when we were doing the uh, high class geek thing, and uh, you had talked about God, that you, was so long ago, right? And you <laughs> talked about going to see the new Ninja Turtles movie, and how you wish you could just erase that from your memory. And that gave that uh, sparked that idea that you wanted me to make a, a radio play for, but at that time, uh, you know even like even still now it's just kind of you know i'm i'm happy to- question
1: mm. how is there not a teenage mutant ninja turtles audio drama podcast by this point they sell out in every other medium you think they would have done that by now yeah who, who knows maybe
2: eh, for some reason they don't think it's going for some reason they don't believe it would go
1: well there's a wolverine one
3: <laughs>
1: that's had 2 seasons Mm-hmm. Yep Believe well, well, it or not, it's actually uh, At least the first season was pretty good Even though I had very little Wolverine
0: Time to start writing that script then, Evan Get to it
1: <laughs> Well, good luck selling it to them <laughs> mm-hmm. They're probably already working on season 3
0: No, I'm talking about the uh, t- uh, TMNT the audio drama
1: Yeah Do it! Fucking do it! It works in every medium
0: <laughs> that's what I'm that's what I'm that's what I'm telling you, Evan. Get to
1: it. Start writing. And clearly, like, though it's debatable with Constantine, if we're gonna do a comparison, like the creators don't fucking give a shit. <laughs> mm. right. Every adaptation of that comic is a sellout. I have no problem admitting that.
0: Mm. All right. So we're gonna take a sponsor break here. And when we get back, I hope your Anguses are peppered, your steaks have their sauce. We're going to delve headfirst into Constantine.
1: I am still quite drunk, thank God. All right, so we will be right back.
0: All right, there's one. Yeah, I
2: think I got cut off a few minutes before you guys did.
0: Hmm. Well, that sucks. What was the last thing you heard? Uh, I don't even remember. <laughs> <laughs> Podcast amnesia. Oh,
2: it was Evan talking about why Constantine was his uh favorite character.
0: His spirit animal, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, which, uh, which, by the way, that's not cultural appropriation because uh, I have some Native uh, ancestry.
1: So, yep. to give an idea of how much of a functioning drunk I am, both Gerald and David through this and uh, Facebook Messenger can attest to how well I type in this state. Mm. <laughs> But the fact that I accidentally kicked myself out of the internet in general to get back onto this recording speaks volumes. What was the mm-hmm. last thing I said before we, con- before we conked out? <laughs> uh, the last thing I heard was you talking about Constantine
2: being your favorite character.
1: John Constantine, yeah. Yeah. Second favorite character in all of fiction. Also favorite character in all of comics. The first care- favorite being Sherlock Holmes. Equally amoral. Because I don't believe good and evil actually exist.
0: Indeed. So um, for research, I rewatched the movie, which I'm, I'm pretty sure, Evan, I've told you before, but you've probably slept and drank since then. Um, <laughs> the movie was my first introduction to Constantine.
1: It was for a lot of people, which is exactly what my issue is with it.
0: Hmm. So I watched the movie for research, um, considering the fact that they use Keanu Reeves to play John when John is a blonde
1: British dude. Ironically enough, not the problem. I mean, nope. he didn't help, but he wasn't the problem. Mm. Interesting.
0: And, uh... It's been a while since I watched the movie, so when I saw Balthazar, I was like, why does that guy look familiar? So I do my... Uh, I,
1: one of the guys from No Doubt, if I remember correctly. The one who was uh, married to... Um, what's he, her name? Stefa- he's,
0: um, he's married to Gwen Stefani, but he's not... anymore! Well, uh, yeah. Was married to Gwen Stefani, but he wasn't in No Doubt. His name is Gavin Rossdale. He's the singer of a different band. I
1: forget okay. which one. Because last time I checked, Gwen Stefani is riding the dick of Blake Shelton. And let's be honest, we all wish we could ride the dick of Blake Shelton because that dude's just awesome. Uh, mm, mm, nah, not my type.
0: Yeah, hard to pass go- on,
1: hard What pass I'm saying on is that. as a person, he seems like a cool <laughs> dude. <laughs> like if there's, no. a, if there's a female equivalent to Blake Shelton, I would not consider it a bad day if I wind up dating her.
0: Well, my uh um, the only dick I would ever consider writing would be that of Nathan Villian. Don't blame you. Because <laughs> I've got the biggest man crush on him.
1: I mean, to use That's modern my- vernacular, I am a cisgendered male. Well, I'm saying is uh-huh. that Blake Shelton as a person is what we all hope we wind up with at the end of the day. Mm. Gotcha. So it turns out he just seems like a really nice person. Well, we can hope so. Yeah. Like I, I'm not going to pretend I'm a huge country music fan, but let's be honest. There's a reason why I take his side on the divorce with what's her name over the other girl's side because I just can't find anything that says this guy is a bad guy, like even peripherally or speculatively. Hmm. Right.
0: And, of course, we, we did have our, our talk about uh, Amber Heard and Johnny Depp and fuck that bitch. hmm Seriously. But anyways, so John Constantine. The yeah. poor man's supernatural, I think, is, is how you referred to it, Gerald? No, that's the TV yeah.
1: show.
0: Oh, the TV show. Right. Poor man's supernatural. Um, John so-
1: Constantine predates Supernatural. Like, by over a decade, twenty years, probably,
0: yeah,
1: over twenty years. Like, if there is an expert on John Constantine uh, among the group here recording, it is definitely me. He was introduced in Saga: of The Swamp Thing. He was designed okay. by Rick Feech, but first drawn, uh, his first published drawing was by uh, I know Rick Feech was the first published drawing. He's actually designed by John Totlebin. And, um... I'm trying to remember the name of the... Stephen Bissett was the name of the inker. So... It's part... He was partially created because the artists on Saga of the Swamp Thing, which is, uh, Penciler John Totlebin and inker Stephen Bissett, were huge fans of the police back in the 80s, which is when Saga of the Swamp Thing was being published. Which is considered... Um... Is considered a part of the Vertigo line. Any reprint of that run is Vertigo, but it actually predates Vertigo. So it was retroactively added to the Vertigo line of DC Comics, which for those who don't know, those were the more adult, creative-owned aspects of DC Comics until 10-ish years ago, and that's all. I can literally do a whole episode about Vertigo itself. Hmm. All you need to know is it kicked off what was the original identity of Vertigo, and it was the th- it was the deci- the business decisions that destroyed that identity that led to the fall of Vertigo and eventual cancellation. With the best parts of it being arguably like sort of integrated into what is regular DC Comics now.
0: Wasn't uh, Spawn a Vertigo?
1: Nope. Image one hundred percent Image as a creator-owned book. Mm -hmm. Gotcha So
0: um, You all You uh, evidently must have read my mind So go ahead for those Of our audience Who don't know As much about Constantine As you do Give us the deets As the young Thundercats would say
1: Arrogant as this may sound That's the majority of humanity And not because I'm awesome or smart Or anything like that It's because I instantly identified this character as my favorite when I was 18 years old. And I literally spent the better part of at least 15 years trying to get this character after that. And even then, I'm not 100% sure. He's a very difficult character to understand from a creative standpoint, is the best way I can think of to put it. And a big part of that is um, he was created by Alan Moore. Uh, with the artistic team, like I said before, I think twice now, of uh, John Totlebin and Stephen Bissett. Uh, but was first introduced in comic form, and even this is kind of debatable for reasons I'm not going to get into, because that would I'm already going to complicate things like crazy anyway with my habit of over-explaining. Hmm. First introduced in an issue of saga The Swamp Thing that was drawn by Rick Beach. John Totlebin and Stephen Bissett were huge fans of The Police which was a band that very much straddled the line between punk rock and New Wave in the 80s from England. Ah, see, I was
0: I was actually wondering if you were talking about the band or the actual, you know, law enforcement folk.
1: No, 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 no. Remember, I, I'm black and raised in America, so it's very hard for me these days to think of the police and not immediately start... Referencing N.W.A. So no, I'm talking about the bl- the band. <laughs> gotcha. All right. Right. So yeah, it's... um, And being huge fans of Sting, Alan Moore came up with the character John Constantine so that basically his artist had an excuse to draw Sting into their comics. And <laughs> if you ever look up the very first appearance of John Constantine... Like as a friend of mine, who by the way is to comics what I like, what I am to comics is what he is to hip hop, took one look at that picture and said that's Sting, because they literally pretty much like did the artistic equivalent of copy and pasting Sting onto a comic or Rich Bites that did I should say, mm. uh, but it's a combination of uh, his appearance in one movie and another. I don't remember the two movies off the top of my head right now.
0: Uh, he uh, was meanwhile, Dune. He played
1: Fade uh, Not Ralfrey. Dune. No? Uh, I think Dune made him more like mainstream famous in terms of his face, but the outfit they put him in is actually more based off of another film appearance, and it's one of those you need to look up John Constantine on Wikipedia or something to figure out what it is, because this is a movie that's like instantly forgettable. But if you ever Hmm. see a screenshot of him in that movie, the only difference between how we're used to seeing John Constantine, at least in the comic and his original appearances, and how he's in that movie, is that in the movie, he's wearing a black leather overcoat instead of an olive colored um, fabric overcoat that we're used to seeing him in. That out of the way, though, um, Hmm. for Alan Moore's more creative writer perspective, he wanted a character that was the counterpoint to the popular magic user in fiction, which is that they are very upper crest, high class. Think Dr. Strange. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Dr. Strange is very rich. He's a big part of society. He hes basically, he may not be the president, but he is a mover and shaker in a very big, bad way due primarily to his place of wealth and influence in his society. And he wanted a working class magician. Remember this is the early to mid 80s. Thatcher has just become the Prime Minister in England and punk Mm. rock is a thing. The punk rock element actually doesn't come in until after Alan Moore but you need to understand punk rock to really get where Constantine stands from a sociopolitical standpoint. Let's just put that out there right now. In fact, even as a character, I would say punk rock plays a very big part because I'm assuming we all have at least a peripheral knowledge of what punk rockers were like. And it's a case of where, in terms of society and politics, they raise some very good points, some very understandable points. In many cases, depending on who you are on on those spectrums, very sympathetic and empathetic points. But as people... They were shit. They did a fuck ton of drugs. They, let's be honest, a, like even the best of them were probably various levels of sex abusers mm. and perverts. They definitely abused alcohol like crazy. And it's that case of we have to deal with the fact that the person who is saying the things that we all know is true or that we all believe or that it was all necessary to acknowledge to make everything better are also just horrible as individuals themselves. Think Sid and Nancy is a great example of that. If you want to talk, if we're going into that sort of I- idea, and that's kind of John Constantine in the most nutshell of nutshells of concepts as I can get. Mm. And yeah. yeah. And but, a lot of respect. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Gerald. Oh, no, I was just going
2: to quick interruption. Cause I, I was telling David this as well. I was like, you can be mad at the at not you cannot like the messenger but if the message is true accept it.
1: Yeah. Right. Excellent way of putting it actually. Far far more simple than what I just said. I get annoyed at my habit of getting contrived in these things. Well no,
2: I think your explanation beforehand makes that much better in context, especially when when coming down to the character. Continue.
1: Right. So Alan Moore basically, like in a lot of respects, it's like sort of a Alan Moore's run on Saga of the Swamp Thing, particularly like the last two-thirds or half of his run on Saga of the Swamp Thing is kind of low-key considered a run on the character of John Constantine because he created the character, he established the character, and honestly the character was an instant hit at the time. Like, it's impossible to deny the charisma of the character of John Constantine. That said, though, the where the punk rock aspect really comes into terms is with the very first uh, writer to handle the actual John Constantine led comic, which is called John Constantine Hellblazer, which actually, once again, like Saga the Swamp thing, predates Vertigo DC but was instantly integrated to Vertigo DC because uh starting with Saga of the Swamp Thing, there were a ton of DC books that no longer had the comics code on it because they were made for more mature and adult audiences, but were selling really well.
3: Mm. And then
1: eventually down the line, they created the Vertigo line for people who were doing those kinds of comics. That's literally, we can do an entire episode, and I really do mean in the sense of how like these recordings have a, ten- have a tendency to take the better part of an afternoon and an early evening in explaining it, I can mm. do that by myself alone with Vertigo, because there's so much to delve into there. So I'm stopping the Vertigo part right there. All you need to know is John Constantine and Hellblazer, the bookie headline, predates Vertigo, and for the remainder, and for the most part, was run under Vertigo. Hellblazer went for 300 issues. I'm about to say something I can say about very few comics ever in all of existence. There is no such thing from a story standpoint as a bad run for 300 issues straight of Hellblazer. This also leads in... Yeah, I'm not kidding. Every run is good. Like, the worst Hellblazer run is better than the best runs from a writer's perspective of some comics. And on top of that they always had good artists on it to boot. Like, some artwork is weaker than others, but it was never less than appropriate for the book they were on. With the Crown Jewel, in terms of just story, well, in terms of run, the Crown Jewel is Garth Ennis. In terms of stories, it's Dangerous Habits, which to this day is considered, me included, the best John Constantine story ever told in any medium, period. We'll, bring, we'll, we'll talk about that a bit, I'm sure, when we talk about the movie. Mm. But the weakest run, in my opinion, is the first run, and that's Jamie Delano, and he's the one that brought in the punk rock aspect of it. Because being a side character in Saga of the Swamp Thing, John Constantine was very mysterious. You, you didn't understand exactly where necessarily he was coming from. He kept making references to something called the Newcastle incident, but you didn't know what that was. It establishes his tendency to sort of offer up his friends as sacrificial lambs over himself, but at the, mm. for the most part he's not too dissimilar from a um in terms of the mechanism of story, that standpoint from say Gandalf in Tolkien's work where he's the guy meant to get your main characters, main heroes into the place they need to be. Simultaneously saying, I have more knowledge about this thing than I may or may not actually have, but I can't play an active role. That was very much what John Constantine was. And as a fan of the character, Hellblazer is a very frustrating series because no two writers had the same idea of who John Constantine as a character is, because he was always very much a that perfect mix of supporting character and plot device in Saga of the Swamp thing that he was introduced from Alan Moore, as you could possibly get. I would argue the person who handled uh the character best as Alan Moore originally perceived him is David Azzarello, who in terms of the overall plot of his run, is also one of the weakest because that is hands down one of the weakest villains, or really more big bads that John Constantine had to face in the entire series. But the idea of he started off in a punk rock band, uh, got heavily into magic, and all of that came from the first writer's run, which is Jamie Delano, who himself had a background in punk rock otherwise says that his background is very boring and I believe it I will say this you can always tell who the best creators of John Constantine are get ready for this David this is where shit gets really weird the people who have undeniably done the most for lack of a better term right by John Constantine have actually met the character in the real world Alan Moore mm. claims he ran into the character at a pub. Jamie Delano claims he ran into the character at the pub. And I think even David Azzarello has some weird experience where he says, I feel like I might have run into him at a bar in New York somewhere at some point in time. It's fucked up as hell. It's hardcore. <laughs> I see in the UFO level kind of shit. But if they don't claim it, but you'll find the people who did the most right by the character. I think even Garth Ennis said it once. But, like, literally the characters who've done the most right by the character are the ones that genuinely claim, and they say it with all of, like, conviction, for lack of a better term that you can give, say, I ran into this guy at a pub. He looked kind of like Sting, but I could just tell he was John Constantine. He gave me a drink, said I did a good job, and just disappeared. And it's one of those things, when I first heard about this kind of story, I thought it was just Alan Moore being Alan Moore, because that guy's sanity is very questionable, no matter who you talk to. But more and more creators keep saying they did that. And the ones I find that, like, piss me off the most claim they never ran into him.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, master slash dabbler of the dark
1: arts... So I'm going to go into a lot, probably more so into the um, adaptations of John Constantine about that. Mm -hmm. But like I said, I have an overactive immune system. I've done a lot of drinking. So Gerald, this is an excellent point for you to take off because I need to take a piss.
2: (laughs) Well, I reviewed the TV show and I don't have that kind of intimate knowledge with uh, John Constantine. So from the perspective of someone who really doesn't know anything about the character except for what I've read in a wiki. Uh, um, uh, what I read in a wiki, what I... Uh, and what I've watched at the TV show and the movie. Yeah, it, like he's... In the TV show, he is just shown as kind of a habitual fuck-up. Like, and he doesn't like to learn from his mistakes. Like, just constantly screwing up. And yeah, he'll use anyone as a sacrificial pawn except himself. Which is understandable because, which I which is terrible, but when you realize his circumstances, um, you understand it from a practical and logical standpoint. Like it's still horrible, but you also understand it from a practical and logical standpoint. Um, you still there, David? Oh, have I been? I feel like I have been isolated again, because no one's responding. It. I'm not sure if I've been disconnected or if no one or if everyone went off to do, you know, to uh, use the bathroom. <laughs> uh
1: Uh, hello? I'm here. Hmm. Where did David go? Sorry, ha- Did he also disappear? Have... No, he's still connected, it says. Yeah. So I've... Oh. Wow. And I just... He apparently just sent a messenger a message on Facebook. My cell phone and stuff is already all, all the way over there, so... Yeah. Let's hope he realizes the connection isn't cut off yet.
0: Oh, I'm <laughs> sorry. I had to uh, step away for a second to use the facilities.
1: Same okay. here. That so. I did not know. So
2: uh, I
1: feel very sorry, Gerald. I missed everything you just said for the last couple of minutes.
2: Yeah. I, I think in the future, we'll just do a
1: break when two or more people that have to leave. <laughs> no, I wasn't expecting David to suddenly bow out to use the bathroom wall. <coughs> oh, <coughs> all right. No, no dying. I don't know. necromancy. But, uh,
2: Basically Dude, the, don't the gist of what I uh, the gist of what I said was just that uh since I don't know I don't have the intimate knowledge of the character you do so all I know is what I've read in wikis and the TV show and the movie and John Constantine just seems like a habitual fucker right like every The like, problem is that he's not Actually, well, like I said, from what I've read, (laughs) that's how it portrays it, and it feels like he is resistant to kind of learning from (laughs) the fuck-ups.
1: No, he never fucking learns. That's a big part of the... Let let me make it clear. When I say he's my favorite character, I'm not going to pretend, like I said, I was 18 when he established himself firmly in my head as my favorite character in all of comics. Mm. I'm not going to pretend there was, like, I was always smart enough to not idolize him. Because I did, and there's a lot of, there's actually not a lot, but a few dumb things I really did because I idolized him. But Uh I find as I get older, I'm not going into any detail about that stuff, nor thankfully it's not as bad as something some people have done. (coughs) Mm. But that being said, I find as I get older and older, my favorite characters aren't based on whether or not I want to be like them. And I think a big part of that is that I have a slightly, slightly more self-confidence in myself than the average person does at any age, honestly. Mm. Thanks a lot to a very important lesson I learned when I was about 17 years old. Um, but I find it is less about how much I want to be like them, even though an aspect of that is still there, and more like about how fascinated they are by me. Let's make Mm. it clear. John Constantine is not a good person. He does not have Mm. a heroic bone in his body. Mm. (laughs) Uh, The times he has made an active effort to, for lack of a better way to put it, save the world or universe, is less because he believes in a greater good. And we're going to go into that into extreme detail when we talk about the TV show. And more just a sense of self-preservation. And he is one of the most selfish characters I've ever come across in all of fiction in any medium. And I think that's very important to keep in mind. And if you ignore that, then you're doing a service to character. Let me make it clear that I do not like adaptations of the character outside of comic books and 2011 onward, basically new 52 onward i'm very on the fence about in terms of how they handle in the comics and a lot of that has to do with the fact that in film and television because they're going for a much larger much who's typing oh that's me <laughs> sorry okay. you're fine. i'm guessing you're putting notes down as we go <laughs> yes <laughs> okay <laughs> Then in that case your typing is perfectly forgivable. I am okay with this. I understand typing is better than handwriting. Okay, unless you know shorthand, which most people don't. But <laughs> so going what I was saying is that like a big part of I think the flaw in the TV show and the movie in particular is that they don't have the intelligence or the bravery to acknowledge that your character does not, need to be, does not need to be heroic for your, for your audience to, uh, for lack of a better way to put it, be interested in them.
2: Uh, They're cowards. That's absolutely yeah. what it is. You can have a yeah. well-crafted, complicated, interesting character and them be – like those are usually the best villains. Those if are the you're villains an I really Foul like. Fan,
1: yeah, if you're an Artemis Fowl fan, you know exactly what I'm talking about if you've seen that movie. So
2: no they're they're just cowards. <laughs> they're absolutely cowards.
1: Yeah.